Knockback is brought to you by thousands of supporters on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. If you want to show your support for Knockback, as well as CLS's PlayStation podcast Sacred Symbols, the eclectic interview series Fireside Chats, and the YouTube gaming series SideQuest, please consider going to Patreon and pledging for a monthly amount that makes the most sense for you. Your Patreon support doesn't only ensure that CLS continues to produce the content you love, like Knockback, but you can get cool perks too, depending on your level of support. You can get early access to each episode of Fireside Chats, Sacred Symbols, and Knockback, totally ad-free. You can vote for show topics and provide feedback to be read on air. You can listen to exclusive podcasts only available to patrons, and much more. Your support is essential if Colin's Last Stand is to continue well into the future, so please consider showing some love. Again, that's patreon.com slash Stand. Thank you for your kindness, generosity, and support. Without you, CLS wouldn't exist. But enough of that. On to the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Knockback. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by my brother, the DVD playing Dagan Moriarty. <laughs> hey, guys. What's going on? Everything's good, my friend. This it's is here on Saturday. It's Saturday afternoon. I Philadelphia. Just, it's 4.40 in the afternoon as we're recording this Eastern Standard Time. I woke up about an hour and a half ago because I was up <laughs> until very late. But you had a basketball game to go with uh, or two with your son. Yep. Yep, and, they uh, won. They won. They won today. A dominant performance. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> it was a. It was a. Uh, one of those games that were kept switching back and forth. You know. The oh, really? Like- their team was so hot. I think Graydon's team was up at one point in the beginning of the game, like fourteen to two. You know, oh, it's wow. almost. That's the point where you almost get lulled into that mistaken. You know, that folly, that sports folly of thinking like, all right, like we won. Yeah, you the know? false sense of security. Never can. That, that's the biggest mistake you can make in sports. You know, whether you're playing or whatever, or, or even watching. You can never think your team is, is safe. Sure. Right? The other team came blazing back. And it was funny because they subbed out. It was almost like I felt like the, the coaches were deking us. The, the opposing coaches were deking us a little bit because we played this team before. And I don't remember them being so – I didn't remember them being so bad. And sure enough, their two best players were subbed out for the first, you know, the first quarter. Second quarter came in. Those two kids came in, and it was it was unbe- it was like night and day. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was like it was like Jordan and Bird coming onto the court. <laughs> but we got take- it. We got we got the victory. Good, you got the W. That's all we that held matters. On. That's all that matters. Well, the drive. Then they're eight and four now, I believe. Something of this nature. Yeah, of this I think nature? they're eight and four. Yeah, good. They're in prime playoff they're position. Doing all right, That's they excellent. got one more game actually. Do they have a playoff structure? I don't think so. The second graders don't have. A, I think that might start like a little later, fourth, fifth grade. They're not going to enter a tournament. There's not a tournament. No round robin <laughs> tournament. You know what they do? I think they extend. This is interesting. I just found out they extend the season a little bit. If you want, you could opt in for. There's like a little three on three league. Which is, I don't even know if they play full court. I don't know. It's strange. But I don't think he, you know, Graydon's going to roll into baseball now in the spring. So we got to, we we need a little buffer period for him to practice. Sure. Is he a righty or a lefty? He's a righty. So he's going to bat righty and throw righty. He could bat from both sides. But I, I think that's just out of uh, ignorance at this point. You know what I mean? I just don't think he knows which way is the most comfortable yet. Right. We'll say that would be amazing if he could hold on to that. Right. Yeah. Know? Be a switch hitter. Yeah. But we'll see. That's kind of a dying art, apparently. So. You know, there were a lot of guys that I was reading back in the day that really like could, you know, I mean, we grew up with players that could switch it too, but there were players that were like dominant 250, 280 batting average switch hitters, which was. That's unbelievable to me. Yeah. Unbelievable. If I bat right handed, I look like a moron. I can't even, I can't even like hit anything. And if I throw, I, I throw like just a little girl. Oh, if I, I throw we, my right hand. We were throwing rocks into dad's pond left handed. 
And it's just the funniest feeling. Like, you just feel, like, completely out of sorts. Isn't it strange, though? It's just a comfort thing. It is. It is. You know, I think I've told the story maybe on the show before. Our our nephew, Declan, our oldest nephew, was a... I don't think he's really playing anymore, but he was... He loved... He loves baseball, and he's... He did. He played for a long time, and I remember playing with him in 2015 when we were at Dad's on Long Island, and him being... You know, everyone was playing and batting, and he was pitching, and then he was surprised when I came up to that, and I was a lefty. And I don't think he and I don't think he knew quite how to throw to me. How compared to handle to, that. Yeah. Compared to. And I pulled it. I, I pulled it, you know, right. Fit. I destroyed him. <laughs> you made him pay. I made him pay. <laughs> Just destroyed him. Sorry. He was. What was he? Nine years old at the time. I absolutely, had ab- I absolutely obliterated. <laughs> and that's why he gave up on baseball. With a meatball right down the plate. I was going <laughs> to let that one go. Now, dig in today's episode of Knockback. For those that don't know, Knockback is our retro and nostalgia podcast that goes up every week. This is a fan chosen topic, and it's about the PlayStation 2. Now, we were definitely going to get to this topic at some point, but we're happy to do it right now. You guys voted for this on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. Remember to please support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. If you can, for a dollar a month, two dollars a month, five dollars a month, whatever you can give us. All of those kind of tiers come with different perks. You can get the show a week early ad free. You can get the ability to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas to the show. We'll read plenty of them to start things out. You get exclusive podcasts, etc. We really do appreciate your support. If you want to freeload, you can do so on free feeds over at iTunes, etc. Do leave us nice reviews if you can. We really do appreciate that. And share us with family and friends so they know the might, the majesty, and the wonder of Colin's Last Stand and Knockback. <laughs> Dagan. The PlayStation 2 is an incredibly important console, and I'm excited to talk about it. But before we do, yes. we have to begin with our new segment called Win, Lose, and Draw. Oh, my favorite. I love doing this. I look forward to starting every show. It's like having a nice, nutritious breakfast. Oh. The show is the day, and this opening segment is the breakfast. Without the good breakfast, you can't have a good day. It's friend. kind of like the 80s commercials for cereal where it was said part of a balanced breakfast, then it was a bowl of cereal, a glass of milk, a glass of orange juice, like three eggs, two pieces of toast, <laughs> yeah, completely pieces of bacon. It was literally like 2,500 calories of straight up lumberjack. Yeah, breakfast. yeah part of a, and like a stack of pancakes. It was like for any eight year old. Yeah, part of a balanced breakfast. Which, speaking of which, cereal bowls. See that mm-hmm. now. Win, lose, and draw is based on Pictionary. Colin is going to draw. Colin is going to have a minute to draw uh, from a category that he chooses out of the bowl here. We have little slivers of paper, each one a different category. He'll open a category. He'll do the drawing. He'll have a minute. At the end of a minute, I have to guess what Colin has drawn. I get one guess. But, of course, the little caveat, we tried to make this extra fun for you guys. I have another bowl here, a second bowl, if you will, of patreon supporters names and somebody is going to win this drawing we are going to colin is going to sign this drawing he's going to send it to you in the mail right. you could frame it you can throw it away use it as kindle someday this is going to oh be this is the... funny the winner here is what geo is... corsi geo is a good friend of mine he's an executive at playstation oh nice and he is now the. and this is a perfect topic for him for hey, the geo. playstation 2 so geo that's thank hilarious you. so geo thank you for your support a good buddy of mine that was not rigged. Nope, that was not rigged. Completely also an legit. owner of two adorable Boston Terriers oh. named Carmine and Laverne, <laughs> which is awesome. That's amazing. And they are amazing. And Gio has watched Lola for us. So, Gio, I'm glad that you are the winner, although probably technically the loser of whatever I'm going to draw. Oh, but I will get, you. I will get it to you in San Francisco. Don't be so, don't be so uh, modest, my friend. And you know what? I have to say, I have to give credit to Colin for this. I was thinking about this when I woke up this morning. Asking Colin to do a drawing... And take him out of his comfort zone is very akin to like asking me to pl- pick up a guitar and start playing it. And 
you're doing a lot better at drawing than I would do at playing the guitar. So well, I appreciate that. Credit. Credit so, where credit is due, my to friend. But to be fair, we all know how to hold a pen or a marker and apply it to mm. paper. You don't know. I mean, I taught myself how to play the guitar. I have no and idea. And I taught myself to how to play bass. But I did take drum lessons. I'm a drummer by nature. Yeah. But the point is, is that I kind of figured it out over time. But we all write. So I still feel like you picking up a guitar is much more unreasonable. I understand what you're you know saying. What I mean? but, you're but I can't in my mind's eye visualize like I like I drew a carrot for one of our things. Right. <laughs> I can see the carrot in my head. I know exactly what the carrot looks like. Yeah. The, the bushy green. Right. Coming off the top. Triangular. The, the triangular shape. shape. You know, the, the kind of, you know, horizontal lines around it. And you just I can't execute. You know, I just can't execute. <laughs> but you'd be I appreciate your modesty. So let's see. I think there's some fun topics left in this bowl. I'm looking forward to seeing what you'll draw. Colin is drawing a topic out of the bowl. All right. Opening it up for us to read. The topic is draw a famous dead person. <laughs> draw a famous dead oh, so person. So a famous person that is no longer with us. I know exactly who I'm going to draw. Oh, you do? Yes. And I think you're going to get it immediately. Oh, what? I like your confidence. Okay. Fierce, my friend. Fierce. Okay, Colin, I'm going to get a minute here on the clock. I'm going to grab my phone. And... I meant to get the di- the timer of doom back. I keep forgetting to bring it upstairs. So we'll just use the phone for the timer. Okay. Minute on the clock. You feel comfortable with a minute for this one? Oh, this I feel comfortable for it. I can do it. But the funny thing about your phone, by the way, is that I'm so old now that you have the newer iPhone. I have yeah. an iPhone, what, eight, I think. Yeah. And I have no idea how to use your phone. I don't have any idea how to use my phone. It either. has no button on the bottom of it. Anymore. And I've, yeah, this is the 10. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's weird. I don't understand. Aaron has the same phone, but I don't understand how to use it. It's confusing. I don't get it. I'm still getting used to it. I've had it for months now. <laughs> Do you ever notice, though, that I, I complain constantly about every new iPhone I get and something wrong with it and how I'll never get it figured out. And then I figure it out. You but know? then you stick. But you know what? The interesting thing is you stick with iPhone. Yeah. Oh, no, I would never go with an Android. You don't go with Android. I'm not, I'm not some sort of loser. All right. Now. All right. You ready? Yeah. All right. Start. We got a minute on the clock. I'm watching it very carefully. Colin's got his Sharpie, his black Sharpie. He's got his typing paper, his eight and a half by 11 paper. He's drawing studiously scrupulously is that no not really scrupulously i don't think you but you are drawing studiously you're committed he's there's a lot of concentration going on over there and at the end of the minute i will guess what colin has drawn colin has to draw this round a famous dead person a famous person that is no longer with us somebody that has passed on to the ether i'm trying to think of who i would draw for this I might, I don't know what I would choose for this in a minute to draw. Now, Kyle, about 20 seconds left. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to go. You are? Yeah. Holy moly. Okay. All are right. You ready? I'm ready. Hold it up to me, my friend. This is the big reveal. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Oh, what better thing could you have done? Colin has drawn a photorealistic depiction of Jesus Christ. <laughs> on the cross. Hanging on the cross. <laughs> Nailed My God. to the cross. Now, I don't mean to be disrespectful. We grew up Catholic, no. of course, and you are a practicing Catholic. But I f- this came to mind immediately because I c- I'm like, I can make this happen. I forget what the Latin thing on the bottom of it, though, is. It, it, I almost wrote in excess, but that's it's not what I-N-R-I. it is. I-N-R-I. I-N-R-I, right. I should have wrote in excess on the bottom of it. But I was going to write Michael that Hutchins? <laughs> Oh my God! Who Chris Why crucified? Is he on the cross? Oh my God! That's terrible because I think he killed himself. All right, all right. So he died for our sins. Here you go, Geo. You're going to get a nice picture of Jesus Christ oh, in the mail. This is frame worthy. You know what it looks like to me, and I, I think it's very charming. 
um, Ludwig Bemelmans, he drew the Madeline books. Remember Madeline? Of course. It looks like Madeline. It looks like a Madeline version of Jesus Christ. Very charming, actually. Do you like how Jesus has a frowny face on? It must have He's, not been very oh, pleasant. Wow. I like his hair. Thank I like you. that he has the hair, the Jesus hair. Thank you. And um, yeah, I mean, this is this is a gem. This is a gem. This is, I thought the helicopter from yesterday might have been my favorite, but this has trumped this has trumped the helicopter. All right, fair enough. I was I didn't have enough time. I was going to draw a Roman soldier poking him in the side with a spear, but oh, I didn't. Ha- I didn't. I didn't. You just. I didn't have enough time. I didn't have enough time to do it. You wanted to make a whole scenario. By the way, I, everyone knows I, I'm. I am an atheist. I never mean, and people know I, I have a lot of respect for faith and for religion. I have a lot of people on fireside chats that are religious believers. One of them told me I was going to hell. So clearly, oh boy. I can ha- have people oh. in and. But in your own home, but I believe, yeah, in my own home, but I believe that <laughs> Jesus nice. Christ, the, I believe in the historical Jesus Christ. I believe that he existed. Yeah. Well, I believe that it. there's plenty of evidence. Josephus and all the hist- Roman historians wrote about him. Right. I believe that Pontius Pilate killed him. And that's the end of what I believe. So and that's it. Yeah. So I, I don't mean any disrespect. In other words, no. this is an historical reenactment because listen, this did happen. Listen, you drew. I, I'm still racking my brain over who I would have drawn in that minute in order to, you know, just convey a clarity and make the person be able to guess it. I still don't know. Maybe I would have drawn Walt Disney because you could just draw the Mickey Mouse ears on him or something. You could draw something iconic. Mm. That's brilliant. I can't even think of a better idea than that. Yeah, that kid. Well, who originally came to mind for me was George Washington. Oh. And I was going to. But I'm like, all right. I mean, immediately in my mind in a millisecond, I'm like, I have no idea He's how to draw that curly powdered wig. So I was going to then immediately in my mind, I was like, I'll draw him on the boat crossing the Delaware, you know. <laughs> Like I'll draw a stick figure on a boat, My but I'm like, God. is that maybe you'll think that's Christopher Columbus or something? You right. know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you'll think it's like, you know, Francisco Pizarro. I have no idea who you could think this for. I don't t- know why you would ever think anyone was Francisco Pizarro, but just no. as an example, another man from the age of discovery. I wouldn't have guessed that. I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> Abe Lincoln, right? He's just got the the you know the the stovepipe hat. Yeah, huh? could have drawn him at Ford Theater getting popped in the back of the head. Oh my God! <laughs> now I'm, you're giving me ideas for the, the next segment. So. Draw assassinated presidents. <laughs> draw William McKinley. <laughs> My God. JFK on the grassy knoll. There's all sorts of options that we the, have for dead re- presidents. You know, maybe we'll do something with a with with the pre- with a political aspect in this, so you could really enjoy a second. Oh, you're giving me some ideas. William Henry Harrison giving his inaugural address in the rain and dying of pneumonia. We can draw. There's all sorts does of draw, ways. Does he die during the address? No, no. That he dies about 28 or 29 days later. But it's the longest inaugural at the at the point. I think it might still be the longest inaugural address. It was like a really stubborn thing. He was the. He was a really huge hero in the War of 1812, and he had a lot. People had a lot of respect for him, or whatever. And he just refused to like stop giving the address. It was like hours long, I think. Okay. And then he just straight up died of pneumonia. Wow. Shortest serving president ever. That's. I don't think he did any literally anything actually as president. Really? Yeah. I mean, there was no time. That man died. <sighs> That's... That man died. Tippecanoe and Tyler too was the uh, was the saying of. That's where that comes from. Yeah, he was Tippecanoe. Tippecanoe was he was because he was like a. A warrior, fierce warrior. Okay. And Tyler, John Tyler was his vice president. Anyway, I don't know what I'm talking about. Eh, I appreciate the, the, the historical. Sp- I'm learning. Well, I'm learning. You're learning things that are. This is what I learned at Northeastern. <laughs> Very useful stuff. Everyone else is learning engineering and pharmaceutical science and all of these things that that are useful. Aaron was nursing. You know. Yeah. I was reading books about John Tyler. Well, that could save people, too. That could. It could save people a lot. Of, they don't now need to read any save books about John Tyler. from drudgery of learning about John Tyler. <laughs> All right, so PlayStation 2. So, Gio, you're going to get your picture of Jesus Christ on the cross in the mail. It's going to be very great, maybe sacrilegious. Feel free to throw it in the garbage. Colin has signed it. I've signed it. Again, like Van Gogh, like someone said on Twitter to us yesterday, my signature is just as big as all the pictures. Just as big, yeah. You're making sure that happens. I didn't know that that Van Gogh was known for that. 
What signing the sign his signing big. large signature? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and you know it's odd. Just to talk about Van Gogh. Just an artist that was not appreciated at all during his time. He like during his con- when he was working when he was alive, just completely unappreciated. It's no, so crazy. It is interesting how that happens, huh? It's it's insane. Meanwhile, people go to museums and look at squares on canvases and pretend that. That's I believe art. this podcast is going to be really big when I'm gone. Well, let's not talk about when you're gone. I, well, I think I'll make you a bet right now, although it's not a bet you'll be able to redeem. Okay. I'm going to definitely die before you. Oh, don't. What are you saying that for? No, I, I hope that doesn't happen. I'm five, ten years away from a widowmaker. I think we all know. Really? I'd rather die than lose like somebody really close to me. Isn't that, is that weird? It's selfish, but I, I, I feel the same way. Mom always told me that was selfish. Really? To say that. Yeah. To say that? To like want to put the pain on everyone else. Oh, I never thought of it that way. And you like duck out I because just once think, you're dead, you're dead. I just think, no, you go ahead. You keep living. I'm going to go. That's what I'm thinking. It's the yeah. opposite. Of, but I understand what mom's saying. Have you ever thought about the act of dying? Like, like oh, what? God, yeah. Every day. Everyone sees the light and stuff like that. I guess whatever happens, because, you know, our own, our own mom, I think she might have talked about it on one of our podcasts. Our own mom passed away for several minutes when yeah. she was 10 years old. I think. She had a near death experience. Yeah. And she claims that, you know, and I believe her. She saw the light. I don't know if that's like a physical thing or if that's a religious thing. Who knows what that is? But yeah. I, w- I wonder if there's like a real if your body and then the endorphins and everything kind of like shut it down so that you're calm and everything's good and you kind of just wash away into nothing. But I have this fear, not this fear, but I, this thought. I wonder if it's horrifying. Like, in other words, like your heart stops, but your brain is still working for just a little while, like a yeah, minute or two. And you're, and you're dead, you know, like and like, is it in other words, like, is it possible that when someone's dying that it's fucking horrific? And we just don't know. Yeah, because we don't know. How would we know? I've thought about that before. I don't I don't know if there's like science on that or whatever, because people pop in and out. So we know that like they they see the light. Like I said, they their life flashes before their eyes. But I wonder if there's like any pain involved or like fear. I, you know, again, Kyle, as I you always, shut off, I, you know, it's such a good it's such a good question. Who, uh, who the hell knows? Here's the thing. Here's the curse of being a human being. I always say this and I really feel this way inherently. We're given all the capacity to ask all of the questions but and receive none of the answers in return. It's freaking horrifying to be a person. Yeah, it is. You know what I mean? But yeah. that speaks to our courage. Yeah. Our collective courage as humankind. Self-awareness as well. Self-awareness is a curse in a lot of ways. It's insane. You know, Lola doesn't understand that she exists. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like literally, like your dog Kiki doesn't understand But maybe existence. they do though. Maybe. I mean, that's a pretty deep. We don't know. That's pretty deep. Like I don't even think Neanderthals really thought about it. Nonetheless, no, nonetheless, I, and chimpanzees and stuff like I, I guess they have some sort of spatial awareness, but I don't think they understand the cosmic reality of their existence. You know, you know what the answer is? Immerse yourself in escapism, retro nerddom. Yeah. I mean, that's all we have. That's I, it. That's, I'm just doing that and waiting to die. That's basically <laughs> it. Now, Dagan, the PlayStation 2 is our topic today. Again, this was chosen and voted overwhelmingly by the audience over on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. Again, we uh, thank you for your support and for voting for this topic. I felt a little bad that this topic won because we would have certainly gotten to this topic. But we're, again, we're glad to accelerate our plans to do it now. Oh, of course. We have a lot of feedback. Again, if you support us at the $2 level or higher on Patreon, I let you know the topics ahead of time. Dagan and I convene to record eight to ten of these episodes every two or three months. And so I let you know ahead of time a few weeks before we get together. And then you guys submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas on Patreon. I go through them and organize them. We use almost all of them. We have a lot of feedback on PS2. Okay. so I'm not going to be able to use all of them, unfortunately, but we'll use as many as we can. And I thought it would be fun digging to go through and just read like half of a dozen of these right off the top. Absolutely. That are just memories. It's one of my favorite uh, parts of the have. show. Yeah, me too. From you guys. I love it. 
maybe even more than half a dozen. So let's start with Brandon. He wrote into us and said the console that single handedly changed the gaming industry. I agree. I agree. Old competition died like Sega. New competition was created such as Xbox and virtually no one could compete such as GameCube. As a GameCube and PS1 owner, I would get excited to go over my friend's house and play his PS2. It was always a fun, memorable experience. Man, if only GameCube ran DVDs. I agree. And I actually think GameCube's better than PS2. And we're going to get into oh. all of this because PS2 is my least favorite PlayStation hardware. Oh, I was going to ask you. So, That's which is incredibly four? incredibly and PSP and, and Vita. portables. Yeah, like which is incredibly Ooh. unpopular. Of wow. opinion, you know, pound for pound, I think PS4 might be the best hardware, if not PS3. But, you know, we're going to get to that. OK, but okay. I wanted to discuss it because he touches on a certain things here, Dig, that we're going to have to get into PS2's PS2. It is the one console that did kill Sega which is something that we should talk about. You know, Xbox did come in in its wake and kind of join the fray and is, you know, an accepted and celebrated part of gaming now. So there's a lot to get into there and we will get back to that, Brandon. Okay. Leroy Anderson wrote into us and said, this was the first console I ever purchased day one. I took the morning off of work. Three of my friends and I all pre-ordered them from the only store in our town and sold them. The real Canadian superstore. We, including my younger brother and his friend who skipped school, took my parents' van and got in line. Once we had our box, we formed a line and everyone high-fived every person. Great memories. <laughs> but it was bittersweet. After About a month after getting it, I got a disc read error. Took it to the st still-in-business Sony store. I forgot about the Sony store. I used to go to that in San Francisco. They sent it in to get fixed and it was I was without it for another month. What are your first memories of your first PS2? We'll get into that as well. Okay. First, I mean, we're going to we're going to obviously talk a great deal about that because I have very distinct memories of my getting my PS2 because I also got it at launch. Yeah, because I don't know your specifics with that. So I'm curious to ask that. Alex Ball wrote into us and said, oh, man, the console that changed the game pun games, DVDs, CDs. This was the real all in one entertainment machine. I remember I didn't get one until about a year or so later. So you probably got yours in about 2001. Same as me. My dad bought me an extra controller, memory card, two games and two DVDs. The two games were Madden 2002 and GTA 3, which my mom was furious at because of the media attention it had. The two DVDs were Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me and X-Men, which were my first DVDs. Ah. Nothing was better than a snow day at home being able to play Bully or Tony Hawk. I got to say, man, we got bully. a lot of feedback about Bully. Bully Bully's a big one. That was one of my earliest games on the PlayStation because I got it late as well. Yeah, people really love that game. And yeah, I'm, I'm not super attached to it, but we will definitely talk about it. I was surprised by how many people wrote in about Bully. Let me see here. We have a few more. Straw Hat Ninja wrote in and said, I bought a GameCube originally because I was a Nintendo kid, but I soon realized I needed a PS2 not long after. Sly 2 Band of Thieves blew me away originally for some reason, and then I found Final Fantasy X and Dragon Quest VIII. Nice. Sean Mason wrote in and said, and that was actually the first Dragon Warrior in the States that was called Dragon Quest. Oh, that launch. was the first Dragon Quest? Because Dragon Quest, Dragon Warrior 7 came to PS1 in 2000, I think. And it was still called Dragon Warrior uh, in the yeah, States. Yeah, yeah. So pretty interesting stuff there. That's Sh cool. Sean Mason wrote in and said, where do I start? This was the first console I bought with my own money. I was eight. Wow, you were eight. Wow. I guess I would have communion money or something at that point. Sure, I remember hiding sure. my copy of GTA 3 as my parents wouldn't let me play M games. I have a vivid memory of running to the TV and switching the video input anytime I heard someone walking down the stairs. Uh, the memory reminds me of how I used to run inside and shut the heat off and the music off when dad would turn the road. <laughs> <laughs> before uh, hopefully he wouldn't see me Leighton Irvine wrote in and said I remember buying the console with Gran Turismo 4 and GTA San Andreas which kept me going for a long time so you bought yours late you bought yours in around 2004 yeah that's very late other games that come to mind are Burnout 3 God of War 1 and 2 Black re-release this please Black really is a long forgotten really great game that game I don't have any context with it was a really popular shooter at the time and what was cool about it what we won't talk about Black I don't think really but Black, what Black's trademark was, Black was shown at my first E3 in 2004, the first E3 I ever went to. Oh. And the big thing about it was that everything was destructible. Like, you could destroy everything in oh, the game. Oh, so the environments, everything. Right. So who, who created that game? I don't remember who the developer was. I think, yeah, I don't remember. I think Sony published it. 
Yeah, I don't know this game. I'm trying to think. Was it was it like the remnants of or the the origins of People Can Fly or something? I think it was a European game, but okay. I remember that because at my first E3, the three big games were or the four big games were Black Resident Evil Four was being shown for the first time, and that was really huge. Zelda, which one was it? I guess Twilight Princess was being shown off. And the really big game at my first E3, which I kind of remember because it, no one, it was so unassuming, it was World of Warcraft. It was World oh, of Warcraft was there. wow. And I remember walking the show floor the night before, taking pictures and video, and then people stepping in and being like, you can't show this logo and stuff like that. <laughs> wow. And it ended up being like the biggest MMO of all time. Ever. Nicholas Brillhart wrote in and said, PlayStation 2 was my first jump from one console generation to the next. I don't remember the occasion on which my parents bought it for me and my brothers, but I do remember the reason I wanted a PS2 in the first place was to play Scooby-Doo Night of 100 Frights. <laughs> Just and heard of this game like a few weeks ago. And then I learned that it wouldn't work on my PS1. Most of my time with the actual PS2 was with licensed games from THQ like SpongeBob SquarePants, Battle for Bikini Bottom, and SmackDown vs. Raw. In fact, the only PlayStation 2 exclusive I had was War of the Monsters. That is an early exclusive. It wasn't until the HD collections on the PS3 that I had started getting around to franchises like Sly Cooper and God of War. Okay. Lachlan Peeney wrote into us. And said, hi, guys, thanks so much for a great content you continue to produce. My memory of the PlayStation 2 goes back to Christmas 2003 when my brother and I woke to a brand new original fat PS2, a copy of Enter the Matrix, which was terrible. That game sucked. What's it bad? Yeah, I remember playing that because it was like half done. I remember like it was just totally empty. And a copy of A Dog's Life, regrettably. We then proceeded to get stuck in, sucked into a long and fruitful session before the family would arrive for the big Christmas lunch. Little did we know, however, that the progress we made in our respective games would be for naught. Unfortunately, Santa's trip to Toys R Us, parents forgot to entirely remove the packaging, was not a completely fruitful endeavor. It seemed that in the rush to get together all of the other good kids present, Santa forgot to get a memory card for our brand new system. Suffice to say, Mum was none too pleased to be dragged back to the mall with two pestering kids that following Boxing Day, only to be met with the sticker shock of a $50 Australian Sony-branded memory card. I don't think I've ever been made to feel more guilty about saving progress in a game before or since. Thanks so much again <laughs> and keep up the great work, guys. Expensive saving. So that's where we're going to begin, Dagan. Okay. Love it. Now, I guess we should set the scene. Please. Before we get into our own memories of Absolutely. this. Absolutely. PlayStation 1 came to Japan in December of 1994 and it launched in the West in the fall of 1995. Dagan was an early adopter of it. I got mine in 1997 for Final Fantasy 7. That's when you got your PlayStation? Yeah, I was still a Nintendo kid up to that point. I saw, right, as, why, as I right. famously said, we did a PS1 episode, by the way. So if you guys want to go back and listen to it, it's probably in like the teens or 20s in terms of its run. It's we're great. In, we're in the, we're, this is episode 50 something. It's so, the greatest PlayStation episode discussion ever. It's our most popular episode. Is of the it show. our most popular? I think point? so. Yeah. Wow. Maybe Empire Strikes Back as well. But I think that I think that it's like by far our most well, popular. Well, it's Colin and PlayStation. What are you going to? Right. Of, of course, course. Of course. So PS2 came out when I was in 11th grade. Okay. And my first actual play session with PlayStation 2 is the summer before on a Japanese PlayStation 2 during a Street Fighter EX tournament, which was an early launch PS2 game, a really bad Street Fighter game, but at a Long Island Comic-Con comic convention that doesn't happen anymore called Icon, which I think was at Stony Brook University. It was at Stony Brook, yep. And PJ, Dagan's best friend, and I went with Allie, our sister, and I joined a Dreamcast tournament for Soul Calibur, and I joined a yeah, it was it was Soul Calibur. One I wasn't still. there, but I remember when you guys did this. Yeah, and then and it's really funny. PJ still tells stories because I beat the shit out of this kid, like this old like this older guy in Street Fighter EX. I was playing as Ken as I always do, and he like was this huge nerd and he like punched the wall and like stormed out. I still remember it. Like PJ loves oh, that story gosh, for some reason. Fighting game, he, just. Ugh, like I got anger. beat later and PJ also tells the story about how he joined the tournament as lizard man 2000. That was his name. Like on the sign up sheet and the woman <laughs> refused to call him lizard man 2000. 
So that was my first experience playing. It was actually on Japanese PS2s. It was like very mystical and very cool. I remember like going on the GameFAQs message boards or doing something and being like, oh man, I played PS2. It's so, you know, I didn't get that. Like, it was like really no different than playing PS1 actually. And so for people that don't know, PS2 came out in Japan in March of 2000. Right. And it came out in October of 2000 in the States and then November of 2000 in other Western markets like in Europe and in Australia. It was $299 at launch. Yep. It was $199 by 2002 to compete with the launch the year before in 2001 of Xbox and GameCube. Remember, GameCube launched at $199, so it was immediately very affordable, and, and PlayStation wisely cut the price. Yeah. The thing that we have to remember about PlayStation 2 is that it is the best-selling home console of all time Ever. by a mile. It's not even close. That's insane. So what's interesting about this too, Dagan, is that when everything is settled with the PlayStation hardware, with PlayStation 4, with the four consoles, yeah. three out of the four PlayStation consoles will have sold more than 100 million units, which is unheard of. And there's only one other non-PlayStation device that is sold, home console, that is sold more than 100 million units. Do you know what it is? I don't. It's the Wii. Ah, uh, of course. Of course. So PS1 netted about 102 million. PS2 is about 155 million. PS3 is about 83 million. Okay. And then PS4 is in the 90s right now, and it'll easily pass 100 by the end of the year, which is unbelievable because everyone thought console gaming was dead. And then you have the PSP at like 82 million, and you have the Vita about 15 million. Now, PlayStation 2 was first revealed at Tokyo Game Show in September of 1999. I remember being really, really excited about this, but actually concrete rumors of its development started in 1997, and there were a lot of really interesting rumors. If you go back and read old newspaper clippings and old you know, contemporaneous reports, People were talking about this thing doing insane stuff. And one of the early things that people were talking about was that it would be able to connect online. This is something that they removed from the native platform and didn't re you know, reveal again until SOCOM and some of the Madden games allowed you to plug in with a separate device later on. Dreamcast was really the first native you know, online connected console. And the PlayStation 2 killed the Dreamcast. That's one of the major things. It killed Sega. It was really the last nail in the coffin for Sega. PlayStation 2 launches again March 2000, October, November 2000 in the West. Dreamcast is discontinued April 2001. So it, it didn't take long for them to get you know killed. And I was disappointed by that because I actually really liked the Dreamcast a lot. Yeah, me too. And obviously the online adapter came out in 2002. This was kind of concurrent to the launch of Xbox Live, which still exists today. And Xbox Live, of course, is a seminal console. The funny thing in a lot of ways is that from this generation, Dagan, the Xbox is probably the more important console from a, a perspective of forward thinking. You yeah. Know? with online connectivity, buying games online, the original Xbox Live, like subscriptions and all that kind of stuff. They were way ahead of their time. And I, I think that there's a lot of bias against the original Xbox, which is strange to me because I think the original Xbox, again, pound for pound, is just a more important device. What is that bias? Where does that stem from? I don't think people liked it. I, I just don't, you know, it was a big ass, big. clunky American machine with a big controller. It only sold 24 million units. It, it, it wasn't elegant looking. No, certainly. I mean, I owned one. I bought one in 2003. Yeah, I have yours. Yeah, because I wanted it for KOTOR. And, you know, I wow. later played Halo. I only bought a few games. I think I only have like four games for Xbox. Oh, wow. But, you know, I, it was Rainbow Six Three was my shit on Xbox when I was in college, connected to the T1, you know, connection in my dorm room. It was awesome. Wow. It was, And I used to just leave it on and host games and stuff. It was fun. But the PlayStation 2, for lots of people, as we saw in our memories, is a console that stands out to a lot of people. And I think a lot of it has to do, of course, its proliferation as a DVD player, a cheap DVD player. Oh, of course. There was, was no huge. format war really during this time. So people remember that VHS and Betamax, for instance, was a real you know, established format war between JVC and Sony. And 
This all kind of happened in the 80s and obviously VHS won, but DVD really didn't have a challenger, like a viable challenger. So DVD kind of, you know, ingratiated itself to the public in the late 90s, early 2000s, very easily compared to what happened with VHS and beta. And we had another format war later on in the mid aughts with HD DVD versus Blu-ray. And obviously Blu-ray won that as well, because you'll remember Xbox 360 was an HD DVD player. Yes. You know, so there well, had one that you can attach to it. Sony won that battle. So we have all of that out there now. Now, I want to know what your original memories are of the PlayStation 2. So I got my PlayStation 2. You know, I wanted to ask you too, Kyle, what is that lapse period? Excuse my ignorance, but I'm very curious about this. You know, the PlayStation 2 coming out, you know, as we know, in March of 2000 in Japan and then months later in North America on October 26th, so right after your birthday. And what is that lapse period? Why is that? Why does it take that much time to bring it over? Because you would would think every single day they're losing out on sales. Yeah, I think that, you know, it was still in video games at that time, as a lot of people know, and we grew up in the era where this was really prominent, was it was a Japanese dominated industry from a console perspective. And I think that it was most important to them to feed their home market before they fed everyone else. And if they're going to Foxconn in China and saying we need... 10 million units manufactured and they can only, you know, deliver however X amount of units, then they want to make sure their home market, I think, is saturated before they moved on. It wasn't until PlayStation 4 that Sony came around and realized that the Japanese market is actually probably the most irrelevant to their success okay. and that they need to get consoles out elsewhere. You remember that PlayStation 4 launched in the United States before it launched anywhere else. It wasn't right. even that it launched in the West or it launched in North America or it launched in Europe. It launched in the U.S. In the U.S. Before it launched anywhere else, they sold a million units in the U.S. in one day. And that proved to be, you know, a really wise decision on their part. So I think that a lot of it has to do with a just Japanese centric, Japan centric way of dealing with your home market. And also all of the translation and localization that has to go into products Absolutely. that would delay it for everybody. Right. So I think that it was just ideal for them to get it out as quickly as possible. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I got mine, Kyle. I didn't get my PS2 until I think it was the summer and it might even been the late summer getting into fall of 2001. So it was almost a year after it initially was released here that I got my PS2. And that was very typical of my trajectory with all all gaming consoles, except for the PS1, which I got fairly quickly. I waited. I did the same thing with the PS3 and the PS4. You know, I use PS4 still in the box. PS4. I have two. Oh, okay. I have two of them. But. One of them I got for free, but that's a long story. That's a really long story. But typically I waited for a year and I would sort of, you know, sort of marinate on it. Not I it's it, it's kind of weird that I do it that way because it's inevitable. I'm going to get the game system. I'm not going to not get it. But I think it's also just kind of a ramping up period of like, oh, I can't take it anymore. I have to have this thing, you know, being very busy, being an animator. I mean, everybody's very busy with whatever they do, but particularly being an animator is very labor intensive. It's long hours. There's no such thing as a 40 hour work week. That doesn't exist. So just making sure I had the time. I always like to pounce when I know I'm going to have time to play. So I could see getting it late in the summer. You know, there was nothing going on. You know, it's fu- it's funny too. It, it occurs to me. Those were very heady days in 2000. We were feeling good. Y2K had passed. Mm-hmm. Everything was all right. We survived. Thank God we lived. I, I remember being on my computer in 1999 on December 31st in my room with my friend Kevin waiting for everything to shut down and it didn't happen. It was very disappointing. Because <laughs> even Just then I wanted like, Red, all right, I, this is it. Yeah, it was even then I wanted Red Dawn to occur. <laughs> There's a little bit, of, a little part of you that's horrified, but a little part of you like, all right, this could be interesting. There's a little bit part of me that's horrified and a big part of me that was like, that was like well, let's get yeah, ready. Let's get this fucking going. Where are the paratroopers? Right, exactly. Where are the, where are the Nicaraguan paratroopers? <laughs> like, this is really weird that it's Nicaraguan. That's all right. But, you know, those were those were heady days. We were excited, you know. So, 
Yeah, so I got mine in the you know two thousand late. I would say late in the summer. It was probably August of two thousand one. Now, Helene and I were looking. We were going to get married. We were going to get married. I got married in. Don't get this wrong, Dagan. June of two thousand two. Correct. So because I had just graduated high school. So when we <laughs> <laughs> and I had moved from Long Island, so I was actually living with. I we stayed with Helene's parents for about eight months before we got married and before we bought our first home. So we were in, you know, I was in there and that's where I had the PlayStation set up was in her family's living room. And it was so crazy too, because I think of that whole period, what a different time it was. The internet was still fairly new. They had, you know, typical, very, you know, a lot of American households at that time. They had the one PC in the family room that everyone used. They all had their AOL account. They all shared the one, you know, desktop PC. And the PlayStation was right in there. And I think eventually I moved it out into her back porch, Helene's family had a like an enclosed back porch and you know it was heated they had an extra tv out there i think i remember you know eventually watching breaking bad out there and stuff like that so that's where i had my playstation 2 set up and you know what's interesting Carl? we always want to explore the consoles through the games that we played which is tricky right because we don't want to go too far into talking about any specific title especially the ones that we could kind of parse out and create shows around yeah grand many, three PS2, yeah. many I mean, ps2 games we could do that with absolutely but I formed my original context with the console probably around tw- only 25 to 30 games that I really avidly played, some of which I never even beat, but and some of which are were so bad that aren't they aren't worth mentioning. Now, you know, as if I'm not mistaken, over 4000 titles, official yeah. titles released for the PS2. Yeah, that number is a little inflated because that, that that is accurate, but it also counts like multi like regional games. So it counts, you know, the PAL version, oh, of, gotcha. you know, the getaway and the American version of the Japanese version. So, so everything's included in that count. Right. So I think uh, as far as I understand, because I looked into that when I was at IGN still, I was like, wow, that's a lot of games, you know, and but someone was telling me like it, it is really a bit by region. So. Makes it's sense. probably more like fifteen hundred to two thousand, and I'm like, all right, well, that's much. That's less. old. That's still a lot of games. But yeah, I mean, that's oh. nothing compared to, what, to what's on PS4. But right. like, I have five hundred games on PS4 right now. Do you, you know, really? just me? Like, I have them. Five. I was gonna ask you. I think so it's like five hundred and twenty-four or something like that. What? <laughs> Go put them in order. I mean, if you know, round about. Yeah. PS1, PS2, PS3, PS4. Mm-hmm. I hate calling it PS1. Let's just call it PS. PS, PS2, PS3, PS4. Which get, which console has the most titles in order? released for that for the console i would probably think that it was four okay has the most i mean there are sometimes 25 games a week released for playstation 4 that's insane but it's because of the digital platforms it's not like these games are at retail it's just like there's a a lot of there's a trash shovelware is it shovelware yeah it's it's shovelware but i look you know shovelware was a term that really came to prominence during the wii era yes and which makes sense. It does, but we would look at shovelware as like Me Too games. Like shovelware is a pejorative, but it's not like Carnival Games was shovelware. But Carnival Games sold like twenty five million copies. Like whoever owns Carnival Games is filthy rich. So for me, shovelware more means like games that are meaningless that also don't sell. Right? Okay. As opposed to like Carnival Games or some of these Wii games, like you know these motion games that were definitely shovelware and definitely garbage, but that yeah. people played and enjoyed. So is it really like I don't know? I have a problem with that term. You don't think about like being associated with just being rushed through development to get on the shelf, even if it's a bargain bin. Yeah, I mean, that, that is the technical definition of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I just, if I it struggle with that term because I think I think it, it doesn't, yeah. Like, if Carnival Carnival Games for many years was on MPD's top 10 
so people knew what it was. And even though we looked at it as shovelware, people liked it. Yeah, they so, liked the game. Right. So anyway, that's just a that's an aside. But so I think PlayStation 4 almost certainly has the most games. I would say PlayStation 4 must have several thousand games on it. Okay. Like, and I'm not talking wow. about, again, inter. -re I don't know, because when I go to my download list on PS4, it tells you how many games you've purchased. Now, this doesn't count my I probably have another 50 retail games. OK, but it says like 524 or something like that. Holy moly. And I don't own nearly everything at all. In fact, a lot of these were just codes that I was given that I never, I never even played most of these games. Right. So with that said, my assumption is that there are thousands and thousands of games on PlayStation 4. And there, by the time PlayStation 4 is done, I wouldn't be surprised literally if there's like 7,000 games on PS4 by the time we're done, of which 6,000 of them are completely irrelevant. That's right? insane. And then like, I know people that have like, that have access to numbers or that like have released games and kind of are privy. Some of these games literally sell like hundreds of copies. <laughs> Can you imagine like- no. Like what? Why? I've had this argument so many times. Why Sony even puts these games up? Why like do any, they? It must cost them more on the back end to put the trophies live, to have someone QA it, to do all this kind of stuff and like make sure everything is spelled right. The trademark things are on all the right places. And then they yeah. make they make 30 percent off of every game sold. So they sell 500 copies of a ten dollar game. They make they nothing. I, I again, this is for another time, but I have no idea. Like PlayStation 4's store marketplace sucks. Yeah. Awful. But. So I would think it would be PS4 and then probably PS2 and then probably PS3 three. and then probably PS1. So PS1 had I think PS1 had fewer than a thousand games, but I could I could wow. be wrong about that wow. because that was when you had a it's different. That's when you had a print a game on a disc. Now, PS2 had the same thing. You had a print a game. On it a was disc. costly. Right. But PS3, I was telling someone recently that there was a time on PlayStation 3 because I was I was in charge of PlayStation coverage at IGN. There was a time where you could conceivably play everything that came to PS3. Now, like there might've been one or two retail games a week. There might, there were weeks where nothing came out at all okay. on PSN weeks where one game a month came to PSN. Like now you get, if you get 10 games on PSN a week, that's not a lot, you know? So yeah, so I think it would be that, but people can look it up. There are probably exact numbers out there. Yeah, it's interesting. But PS2, I think also was aided by the fact that it was relevant for so long. The PlayStation 2 was manufactured for 13 years. Yeah, it's insane. You know? And games were released in Japan and in certain European territories through 2013. Like Final Fantasy XI, I think, is the last PS2 game. Like a Final Fantasy XI spinoff was the last game to come to Japan on PS2 in 2013. The Road, the MLB show that everyone loves, came to PS2, I think, last in 2012 or 2013. And what's funny about that, Dagan, wow. is that that PS2 version, the last MLB The Show copy, sold 200,000 units on PS2. So even even when it was waning and, and PS3 had been out at that point for seven years. Yeah, for a long time. You know, because that's a Sony exclusive thing. That's not something you would play on Xbox. It still sold 200,000 copies on PS2. That's amazing. Which is amazing. And then they were releasing like Pro Evolution Soccer and all that kind of stuff. And people still update the rosters for these games and like refuse to let them go. So that's, I think, something that aids PlayStation 2's bulbous library is the fact that PS1 was only manufactured, I think, for nine years and was really only relevant for five or six years. While PS2 was manufactured for 13 and had incredible relevance for seven or eight years, God of War 2 came out, for instance, after PS3 launched. Wow. It came to PlayStation 2. Wow. You know? That's crazy. PS3 launched in, you know, fall of 2006 and God of War came out in the spring of 2007. God, so was it fall of 2006? Yes. Whew. So I hope that's a long winded way of answering your question. No, no, that's it's 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 all it's edification, man. It's 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 really learning about. It. So and the PlayStation 2 was made all the way into 2013. Yeah, they, they stopped making it in 2013 and they stopped servicing them in only last year. And that so was you could still sell your send your PS2 in this time last year and get it fixed. Holy cow. They stopped like they stopped doing that. Now. That's amazing. That's just amazing. So 
that's the situation we kind of found ourselves in. Now, do you remember what some of the games were that you got? Because the advantage you had buying it later, and we can talk a little bit about this. I was surprised no one wrote in about this, is that PlayStation 2's launch library was notoriously wide and notoriously shallow. Right. The launch library is arguably the worst launch library of any console ever. Horrible. Like, there were a lot of games. You know, lots of them. Like, yeah. I think something like 25 or something like that. Okay. Including games developed by From Software and so, like, people that were making games, but like, people maybe, like, Fantavision was an interesting game, I guess. A lot of people shit on that game. I think it's kind of cool. You know, you had Smuggler's Run early on, which was fine. You know, the you had the Bouncer early on. The game that I bought at launch, I bought two games. I bought NHL 2001, which was fine. Yeah. And I bought Summoner, which is horrible. Okay. It's a horrible game, you know? <laughs> and I actually think I brought Summoner back. That was back when. GameStop and EB would still like like and I did it all the time. I mean, I'm shameless about it. I used to open games and play them and bring them back all the time. Did like, you really? you were allowed to do that? You could straight up just do that. Yeah, it was totally passable to do that. Like you, like I think you had seven or ten days. So like I remember doing that with X Men versus Street Fighter on PS One, where I'm like, yeah, I'll buy this, I'll play it for four days, and I'm gonna bring it back. And they never gave you a hassle for no. that. Very weird. That you were allowed to st- do that. You and you were you were still younger during that era. That yeah. I had stopped probably after after the PS some sometime during PlayStation One. And I had even stopped largely during the SNES, you know, the 16-bit era doing that because I realized, like, I'm going to want to hold on to this stuff. Now, I, a, little, a small anecdote, I almost gave away my PS2 when I got my PS3 to a neighbor. Honey and I were living in our first house, very blue-collar neighborhood. We lived next to a really nice family. They had a lot of kids. And the kids didn't have a lot. You know, you knew that. They were a nice family. They, they tried their best. But, they, you know, they, I think they had, like, six kids, and the kids didn't have a lot. The oldest kid, who was a sweet kid, he was probably in junior high school at the time. He's like, oh, I'm getting, a, you know, I'm getting like, uh, I might get a used PS2 and it only costs this much. And I mean, PlayStation 3 had already been out for a while. And I almost said to him, I remember standing outside with him one night and almost saying to him like, look, Robbie, you could have my PS2. I'll give you all my games. I, I moved on to PS3, whatever. I was super close, super close to doing it. I'm so glad I didn't. But, you know, what's funny about it is, Kyle, with my, I'll tell you about my my PlayStation 2 games, the games that I was really intimate with. And I kind of divided my experiences with the PS2 into three lists. I divided it into the games that I played and I had a lot of experience with. I divided it and then I took some of the games that I briefly touched on but didn't have the chance to explore further. And I'll get into why. And then I made a list of games that I always wanted to play that I never got a chance to there's a list of like 10 to 15 games that i really still want to jump on and three of those i singled out to play for our episode to finally get around to in other words and i won't spoil which ones i chose yet and it's very divisive you know some people are gonna be like yes and some people like you chose those three like what are you an idiot i love that though because we could have this conversation because there's so many good games and a lot of great franchises started at this time as well so I, I, I'm really looking forward to getting into that aspect of the conversation. But I remember I only played PlayStation 2. Again, I, I got it in 2001, and I probably only played it through. I got, again, I got my PS3 a little late. I got my PS3 either late. I remember Helene, we were at the mall one day, and Helene bought it for me. She's like, you've been wanting this. I'm just going to grab it for you. It was really sweet. I, I don't think it was for any reason. The PS3, you're saying? For the PS3. And at that time, the PS3 was like... 500 bucks? Well, it was late 2007 or early 2008. Yeah, so I think the PS3 was $400 at that time. So, yeah, it was it was 399. Yeah. So, she was just like, yeah, she was just like, yeah, she was like, yeah, you know, you've been wanting it, you deserve it, blah blah. And at that point, that was it for PS2. 
And I'm not even sure at that point how much I was really playing. Again, being busy, you know, we had the house. We had only been in the house for a few years at that point. You know, you're just busy at that point. You know, working on our first kid or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Oh, hey, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so that has to that has to come up at least once an episode. Yeah, of course. Not working on my first kid. But yeah, well, they, please, I don't really. So I'm going to give you my list, and okay. I can't that I I played ultimately over the entire period. Now I'm not going to say which ones I started, which which ones, which ones I ended with, but. Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2. I was oh, really big yeah, on that game. Dude, that game, that game has an awesome soundtrack. I was huge on that game. That game has an awesome soundtrack. The Buzz Horn, Hot Action Cop. There's like really great stuff on there. It really does have Ultra a great... Spank. Yeah, there's a lot. Because you were into that game too. I remember we were playing it at the same time. That was my first IGN guide. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, shit. I wrote I 94 guides for IGN. That was the very first one. Was it really? Yeah. Great game. I, I don't think they didn't know that I didn't have a license at the time, but yeah, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, dude, that... I'm not a big racing fan, but I always love the Hot Pursuit games. Going back to the PS1, they're awesome. They're great games. They're There's so just something good. fun about like running from the cops, you know? Oh my god, it was so fun. It was not, super not in real super life. Don't run from the cops in real life. No. Well, well I mean, do what you want. I'm not going to tell you. Do what you want to do, yeah. but <laughs> Need for Speed Underground. Yep. Big game. Big one for me. I loved it. Snake Eater, of course. Metal Gear Solid Three. Snake Eater. A Silent Hill Two. I was mm-hmm. big into. Did never got to Silent Hill Three. Never got there. Vice City, of course, GTA Vice City, huge on that game. Very memorable. Um, Ratchet and Clank 2, going Commando. Never played the first Ratchet and Clank game. Right. Never played it. Klonoa 2 was huh. a big one for me. This game is going to make you guys, you know, sort of uh, arch your eyebrows and scratch your head a little bit because it's, it's all over the place. Some of the some of the titles are like, of course, and some of the titles are really that that's, one. That's a collective. People really like Klonoa, by the way. Guilty so, Gear. Okay. Uh, the system get, works. Nice. The Getaway. Oh, yeah, dude. I love the getaway. You, under- you turned me on to that game. What an underrated gem that game is. Super fun. Absolutely underrated Sony London game. So, and it had, it supposedly had an accurate street map of London, right? That was Yeah, the whole I think thing. it was something like that, but you weren't allowed to explore it. Remember, like, you, like, remember the game, like, it had a blinker and it was, like, telling you where to go on your car? Yes. Like, it was, that's what really annoyed people it was, was that it was, yeah, it wasn't, it was kind of, touted to be a GTA clone, but it really wasn't. No, it was much different. It was much more polished than GTA, but it wasn't. But awesome. Oh, it was like a Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah, it really was. That's perfectly said. That's why I lo- when you told me about it, I was like, oh, a guy, we get to play a Guy Ritchie movie? Yeah, it's of like course. playing Snatch a or British Lockstock gangster or whatever. Movie? Yeah, it's awesome. Oh I, I, I've always been shocked that they never brought that back. Now, The Getaway had a sequel I never played, and The Getaway... I never played that either. The Getaway 3 was canceled on PS3. I, I'm surprised that they never brought it back. I'm sorry. Getaway 2? No, not at all. Getaway 2 was for which... PS2, Black Monday, I think it was called. Oh, it's for PS2? Yeah, there was a sequel. I never played it. I don't think it was... I don't think it was down. very well acclaimed. I want to say it came out... The Getaway came out in early 2003, I want to say, because I wrote the guide for that, too. It was early on. And... For me. Because I lived with mom at the time. Okay. That was, I lived with mom for one year in Boston, and... I think it came out at that time and I, I never, yeah, I never played the sequel and I was so disappointed when they canceled the, because uh, when PS3 was announced around that time, they announced that the getaway was coming back but it never, it never came to fruition. Okay. So that's, that's, I think dollar, dollars to donuts, and that's one of the biggest IP I think that Sony's sitting on that, like they could do something with like a hundred million dollar getaway, like a, an open world GTA like game. I, I, I think it, that's a wise investment, but I, you know, as a PlayStation five exclusive or whatever, but I, I don't. Maybe not. I mean, we're so distant now, right? From the getaway, who knows if that's even it's relevant? It's been so. It's been so long. Yeah, but I, I, it's like that and Colony Wars and a few other IP where I'm like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, you know, like I wonder. Yeah, and Legend of Dragoon and all. Yeah, so anyway. oh, that's a good point too. Anyway, please. Oh, not at all. I like. Yeah, it's a conversation. This is this is good. SOCOM, U.S. Navy SEALs. So you did you play SOCOM online? No. Okay. Never played anything online. 
And at, at this time, I'm not even. I didn't even know that SOCOM was really fun playing it by yourself. I liked it. I mean, you know, I didn't have any context with online gaming. I never, you know, P, that's one of you know PJ's great frustrations with me, is that I just never got into it. I never got into it at all, really. Yeah, because he's really in the PC gaming, especially. With he's online. a big PC gamer, right? Now. Which is so funny. He was a big Sega gamer when we were kids, but yeah, he was. He doesn't have an option anymore. He was, and you know that, that I think around the Dreamcast era was when he started getting into PC gaming. So he's been doing it a long time. I think that's really his bread and butter still. I think he was even playing. Was he playing? Yeah, he plays everything on PC. He plays absolutely everything on PC. Uh, Xenosaga, mm-hmm. which I never got too far with. No, because Xenosaga takes five hours to start. Oh, I never got, never got anywhere. That game that went game. back to the store. Did it really? Yeah, I was like, I can't play this. Never and never again, dude. I think time to shoot in that game. I mean, you're not shooting, but that's a term in gaming to say like you know time to action. I think is like over an hour. Is it? That's really? unacceptable. No, that's a that's a weird. That's, that's a weird choice for a game. You know, to develop a game that way. Yeah. You know, people love that series, but I was like hoping for Xeno Gears, you know? Yeah. But I didn't get Which it. Which was much different. Right. You know this game, right, Kyle? Um, I think you pronounce it Okagi Shadow King. Yeah. Right. I, I love that game. I saw some somehow I saw that game and I saw the visual style of it, the character design. stuff. I was like, I must play this game. It felt like kind of Tim Burton ish. It kind of felt like a mixture of like Tim Burton and Jonan Vasquez stuff like Invader Zim stuff. And I was like, wow, I got to play this game. But I never got anywhere. I owned it, but I never got anywhere with it. Never got anywhere with that game. But that was one of the one, you know ones I had early experience with. Resident Evil 4, which I never got very far with. I don't know why. I remember having it. I remember playing it. I remember playing. That was a game I actually played with friends at work at the time. But for some reason, I never really pursued it. I never got too far with it. So that's what that's one to that's one on my revisit list. I mean, that's an essential game. And we can do a whole episode on Resident Evil 4, I think. Oh, I think so. Certainly we can. You played it on PS2, which is interesting. I played it on GameCube because you'll remember that that's it was right. originally a GameCube exclusive. Capcom originally, for people that don't know, announced, I think in 2003 or 2004, it was called the Capcom 5. Do you remember, do you remember this at all? Yeah. And yeah, it was yeah. five GameCube exclusive games that Mikami at the time, you know, had said that he would cut his own head off with a chainsaw if the game ever came to PlayStation and then a year later it came to PlayStation. Really? Yeah. What was his reasoning behind that? Because I think that people were like kind of calling their bluff being like these aren't GameCube exclusive. Why Why would Capcom develop all of these games for GameCube? You know? Right. And I think three of the four did. It was like PNO3. Yeah, what were there the- was Dead Phoenix, I think, was one of them, but that was the one that got canceled. So that no one even knows what that is, I think. Uh, OK, there was there was like a bunch and I, Beautiful Joe was one of them. Beautiful Joe. was um, one. And but they all I think three of the four that came out came to PS2 like a year later or something or two years later. <laughs> so but I played because I was as people remember, if they've listened to us for a long time. No, I took a hiatus from gaming when I was in co- my, my sophomore year in college. I stopped working for IGN. I was like very involved with my girlfriend at the time. I was very involved with partying and doing my work. And I worked at Massachusetts Historical Society. And I was right, kind of like, that's right. I was kind of like, eh, I don't really want to do this anymore. Yeah. And there was only a few games that I broke that hiatus for. This was from, this was like 2004, like fall 2004 to like summer 2005. I only played Resident Evil 4 and okay. I played Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Those were the of two course. games that came out during that period where I'm like, all right, I'll break. And then of I course. finally like succumbed. Anyway. And I never got very far. I would even put San Andreas on my list. That's one. That's a game that I largely missed because I, I remember literally playing that with PJ and maybe Jesse or somebody like one or two nights. I never got anywhere with that game. That was my that was maybe one of my greatest laments for the PS2 is like, I have to play this game, especially coming off of Vice City, which I was absolutely in love. Who wasn't? But yeah, Vice City who was I was in love with Beautiful Joe. Mm hmm. I played Guitar Hero on on. It's the only time I've ever really played a Guitar Hero game. Yeah, it started on PS2. And let me see the rest. Bully, which we talked about a little bit. Manhunt, which I must have played with PJ because it's not oh, really my I style. Love of game. You're a big Manhunt guy. Great game. And that might. Oh no. 
Ape Escape 2 mm-hmm. and R-Type Final. R-Type Any Final. Any R-Type game that I saw was going to be was going to be on the list. So those were the ones that I... Re- and again, there's some really... You know, there was a Robotech game in there that was released. Not even Macross, but a Robotech game that was really like a really shovely piece of shit that I spent $60 for. So there's other ones that are just not worth mentioning. But those were the bread and butter for me throughout the whole console period. Because once I moved on to PS3, I never went back to PS2. And later on, remind me, Kyle, I'll tell you my list of games now that I'll be playing moving forward. And I want to, of course, tell you the three games that I have played. Please. You want me to do it now? Yeah, why not? Okay, so these are the ones, these were the titles that I know I missed that I want to go back to. And I would love you guys' input, not only Colin's input, which of course I value in this arena, but all you guys listening, give me your input too. Like if this if this list of 10 to a dozen games, if you're like, no, one of the, you know, you have to do this one instead, you let me know if I missed one. Um, Resident Evil 4, have to get through that game. We talked about this one a little bit last night, Kyle, at the diner, Dark Cloud 2. Yeah. Both Dark Clouds. Have to. So we'll, we'll do Dark Dark Clouds worth playing as well? I think so. I really like those games. Well, okay. you know, good level five RPGs. Level five. Yep. Um, okay, that one's one of my big ones. And those are both ones. available. So, by the way, so far, the three games you've mentioned are all on PlayStation 4. Okay. So I could. I don't have to go. Colin's very frustrated with me for playing on the original. He's like, just play them on 4. They're, rem- they're largely remastered. They're improved. Yeah, some of the controllers are... Yeah, it's, it's just easier and it's cheaper. Like, you, for instance, we did cheaper. the Bioshock episode, which should have gone up by the time you hear this. And it's yeah. a great episode, but... You know, when I one day I'm like, so you're playing on PS4 at the Bioshock collection? You could have bought for twenty dollars three Bioshock three games, and, games. Insta- and instead you bought the PS3 version of the game. I eBayed it, buy it now for ten dollars. Yeah, I mean that's fine. That's fine, but disc. yeah, you frustrated me a little bit because it's time to put the PS3 away. <laughs> like when I was I was talking to your wife yesterday, she was watching you know Netflix, and I'm like, you're still using PS3 for your net? Like it's time to go put this thing away. It's 2019. It's pretty bad. It's pretty the PS4 bad. came out in 2013, and when I opened this ver- this PS4, I could play Uncharted. Oh, because you have the collection and that's the yeah. one with the collection? Oh, so, oh, my God, of course. So, you know, so that's another incentive. All the Jack and Daxter games, basically. Mm-hmm. Those um, are all on PS4. Well, actually, those are on PS3. Okay. In a collection. They're on Vita as well. I don't think that they were ported to PS4. I haven't really... Now, was Allie a big Jack and Daxter No, Ratchet. Guy? That was Ratchet and Clank. She loved Ratchet and Now, Clank. Ratchet and Clank, that's my next one on the list. Ratchet and Clank 3. Mm-hmm. I never played. Up your arsenal. Up your arsenal, yeah. Um, I love the subtitles of all of those. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. It's it's and, and the game looks amazing. I watched a lot of gameplay footage of all of these games, and that one looks like a lot of fun. Persona, which I haven't got into the series, but I hear Persona Four is the one to play. Yeah, Persona Four's seminal version is golden on Vita, but this is a this is a that's your only other way to play the game is on PS2. I have a sealed copy in perfect condition of Do Persona really? Four on PS2. Yeah. Of the uh, North American version? Yeah, because I got it at IGN. I, I didn't even know anything about really about Persona at the time, and I just put it in a box, and then that game became like massively famous because that was a very late PS2 release. I think that was... Was that very late? I think that was 2008, I want to say. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, when I... I didn't know about... Now, when did you find out about the Persona series? I mean, I always knew about them because Persona... The original Persona came to the States on PS1, so you you had seen these games in like PSM and stuff, but I, I, they just didn't speak to me. They were off Which was radar. weird. Yeah, because it was weird. I loved at the time Japanese role-playing games like none other, but yeah. it just, it was weird. I, I don't know why it didn't speak to me at the time. It just didn't though, you know? But you became a fan. 
No, I, I'm not really a fan. Oh, I, you're not I played, a fan. I played Persona 4 only for okay. on Vita for maybe less than 10 hours, fewer than 10 hours. Oh, wow. Okay. And Persona 5 obviously came to PS4 in 2017, I think. And that game's obviously very famous. Okay. You know, so they're all detached from each other, like Final Fantasy, where I think that there's like connections, like there's a Chocobo, for instance. Right, you know? right, right, right. But they're all detached from each other, I think. So you can play them, I, I assume, in any order. Okay. And then there are, the, of course, the, uh, the accompanying dancing games on Vita. The dancing all night, like the rhythm oh, games for right. each of them, and oh, they're terrible. also on PS4. Rhythm games, terrible. I love rhythm games. But. You're good at it. PJ's good at it too. You guys make me feel like a freaking idiot. But I, yeah, I can't do that. That was another thing Ali loved on PS2 was Dance Dance Revolution. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. A little DDR action. Persona Four. I don't know. I'm into now that I realize what Persona is, and I researched it, and I watch gameplay footage. I never really knew what it was. You always hear about. T- it's always on the tip of people's tongue. They're always talking about it. it has such a huge fan following. Now that I know what it is, I have to say they have my attention. I think this is something I might enjoy. So I'm lo- really looking forward to playing Persona 4. They're massive time investments. Just like Are they? 100-hour investment. Yeah. Is it really? At least, yeah. Holy cow. That I didn't know. I do. I thought it was just like a typical 40-hour I don't think RPG. it's even possible as far as I know to do it that quickly. That's interesting. Because I think a lot of it has to do with like time and calendar movement and okay. relationships and all that kind of right, stuff. Right, of course. So I think to play it properly, you need to really dedicate time. As far as I understand, that's what's really turned me off from playing them because I like committing 30, 40, 20 hours to a game, but I'm, that's not, playing, reasonable. I'm not playing a game for 100 hours. That's like, that's unreasonable. Red Dead Redemption 2 really pushed me to the limit with that. How many hours? 70 hours, maybe. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, I, when I was a kid, I used to eat that shit up. Right. But I'd when you're like, an adult uh, and you have... I'd get sad after a 70-hour game was over, you know? But yeah, no, as an adult and, and as a professional in the industry and as someone who just... The thing is, is and I said this before, is that just to be open, it's like when you have money in the bank, like when you have a job, and yeah. it's not like you have a lot of money. When you have a job and you're making money and yeah. you have options, why would you... My mentality totally changed. Right. No longer was I looking for the most bang for my buck at all. I'd rather play a tight two-hour game than a really bad, like a mediocre 10-hour game any day. Right. I mean, when you could play five good games in that time period. There are games that are literally 90 minutes long that are excellent. Right. You know? Right. So anyway, just throwing that out there. That's interesting, though. But then you have the bang for your buck aspect and all that kind of stuff. Sure. There's no shortage of those kinds of games. Which is no shortage at all. Which is interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Final Fantasy 12. I had to choose a Final Fantasy. Con and I had this conversation, you know, a month or so ago. I had to choose a Final Fantasy game to look at post eight because that's really where I stopped when I finished eight. So he, Colin, recommended twelve. Now I understand that's pretty divisive. You know, it's divisive to say you know between I would say ten, you know, even nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Which is the game worth playing? That if you chose only one, I don't know that everybody would choose twelve. No, I don't think most people would. I but think- I choose. I I. You know, I trust your opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, if you're throwing nine into the mix, which is a PS1 game, yeah, then I would probably recommend nine over twelve. But if you're talking about, you know, the PS2 trilogy, which is 10, 10 11, 11, and twelve, 12. and eleven's an MMO, that doesn't really count. You know, I really hate Final Fantasy X. That's the unpopular thing. I can't stand that fucking yeah, game. Yeah, I don't like the way it looks, and I don't like the characters. The voice acting sucks. It's just not very satisfying. I remember playing the demo with you when you fight the spider enemy on the beach. Yeah, I don't remember what it came with. I think it came with the bouncer. Oh, did it really? If I remember correctly, which was a game I liked, an early Square game when they were still Squaresoft. And yeah, I think it came with that. I remember playing it with you and being and, and I was excited about it. I remember getting it. it was the first game I ever bought online. OK, I was a senior in high school that which in 2001 was very that was still not a thing. It was people a new did, thing. You know? a new thing. And so. So, yeah, I bought it online and, you know, but 12 came out when I was in college and I wrote the guide for that. It was one of the last guys I wrote in college and. I think it was in 2006, fall of 2006. And 12 is, you know, I think 12 is good. I think 12 is aged well. I think it's a little weird. It's kind of like a pseudo MMO. Yeah. But it, I think it's way superior to 10. I'm like, looking forward to trying that. Yeah. And that's on PS4. 
Right, and so <laughs> I promise I'll play that on PS4. Okay. Um, of course, your 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 baby here, Metal Gear Solid Two. Yes, Sons of that's Liberty. unbelievable that you never played Sons never of Liberty. Never played it. Skipped right over it. Right to Snake Eater, which I love. You know, I'm in love with Snake Eater, so I'm 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 excited to play two, MGS two because I think it's gonna. I, you know, I get to I get to hold it up to three, which is one of my favorite games of all time, actually, Snake Eater. So that's going to be interesting. And of course, we talked about GTA San Andreas. And my last one on the list that I haven't played yet that I'm really looking forward to is Odin Sphere. Odin Sphere is on PS4 too. Is it? Yep. Now, the three that I went in and played, Kyle, before I kick it back over to you, is I finally got to play Okami. Mm -hmm. I finally got to play. I chose Okami. I I chose Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. Which which I'm I'm in love with. I'm I'm in love with it. First of all, I love boss fights. So had I known about this game, I might have not waited this long. <laughs> you know, like fighting bosses is like my, th- that's like my bread and butter. I love that. Yeah, it's just boss fights. And the last one I picked, and you guys are going to be like, let's see, I'm going to give you guys five seconds to guess what the last one is. Kyle, what's the last one? Think about a... Animusha? No, that's a that's not on the list, but that probably should be. Well, give me a hint. Really offbeat game. Mr. Mosquito? No, that's that is a game I want to play though. Okay. That I that didn't make my top tw- my top ten or the ones I played, but that game looks amazing. I love the concept of that game. That game looks amazing. Is it Katamari? Yes, Katamari Damashi, which I never played before. And you know what's funny? I knew about it from the moment it came out because I worked with a girl who was really into it, and I knew right away. And she was very critical, and she wasn't even really necessarily a gamer. She was a good friend of mine, Jess, and she was was like. You have to, this is like the most amazing thing ever. And she had great taste just in general. And so I always knew about it, but I never got to play it. Dude, it's so, I mean, it's so weird and so wonderful, you know? So I, that had to be, that, I, that had to automatically be one of my three. I think I chose that even before Shadow and Okami. So that's where, that's where, uh, that's, that's it. That's- First of all, that's a fine trilogy to, to start with. I think. It's just funny, man, because I think Okami is on PS4. It's definitely on PS3. It is on PS4. I see people talk. People like just playing on PS4. And Shadow of the Colossus, I think, was remade for PS4. Yeah. But you played them. There's on the, new stuff. There's new. Yeah. Blue Point, I think, did it, which is a really great porthouse. Really, really, really great Texas based porthouse. Like the best. And they are uh, they're responsible for a lot of great ports. But yeah. So but you play the PS2 native versions played of all native the, PS2. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I for, for Shadow of the Colossus, especially, I think, because that. I couldn't stand Shadow of the Classes. No, I, I wanted to talk to you about this game for a second. Now yeah. we'll we, we'll do an ep- maybe we'll do an episode. We will because I want to we'll go lump back. It in. I got to go back to it, or we can do a whole thing on Team Eco probably. Yeah, there you go. But you pronounced it right. Yes, I'm impressed. Thank you. <laughs> I only worked in the video game industry for 17 years. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only thing I ever mispronounced, like that, I really didn't understand at first was ID. Okay. I always thought it was ID. Okay. You know, like, so I remember saying that and embarrassing myself. Because that was, and that was in it. They were, re, they started to get big in an era where they, how would you know? Yeah, you know, on a magazine. Yeah, the early 90s. I had no idea. I always, from a magazine. I always called it ID software until I heard someone was like, whoa, it's id. It's id. I, had, I was already like hired at IGN by the time I even knew that. <laughs> but yeah, no, Ico. I used to call it Ico when I was a kid, but I was corrected on that quickly. But Shadow of the Colossus to me, I played it for the first time right when I moved to San Francisco. Because it wasn't a game that really spoke to me at the time. Because I had Eco on PS2, and I remember being because Eco is an early PS2 game, 2001 or 2002. Okay. And it's super short and not very good. And and they re-released it on PS3, and then you know I think that's the last time you'll probably ever see it. But Shadow of the Colossus to me bothered me because I just didn't think it controlled very well. I think the controls are incredibly obtuse. And what's funny about it is that when you play The Last Guardian, which was Team Eco's last game that took forever to make, 
on PS4, it's like they just insist on making control bad controls. Like it's just like it's just like an insistence on making controls bad. That's that's frustrating. I think that there are certain conventions now. I've discussed this ad nauseum, so I don't want to be you know repetitive to people that have listened to me for a long time. But I'm a true believer that there should be a convention between all of the companies about the way games should control, not the way they should feel, but the way that they should control. Yeah. X jump, triangle menu. You know, just a universal L2 R2 shoot aim. Right. Right. R1 hold down L1 hold down to get to your items like things that like and actually without any sort of, you know, Geneva convention between these companies, most do do that. Yeah. You know, but like when I played The Last Guardian or I'm sorry, uh, Shadow of the Classes is kind of stuck in time. Yes. You're holding all these weird button combinations and doing all these weird things. Things are mapped to triangle. And it's like. I remember playing it at my friend Mark Ryan. He's the guy that hired me at IGN. And I'm like, I just can't play this. Like, I just, it's beautiful. It's a perfect idea. No problem with yeah, it. I gorgeous. understand why people love it. It is widely considered the best PlayStation 2 game. It is many people's favorite game of all time. That's crazy. Mark Ryan, you know, who's a, a motorcycle, you know, uh, aficionado, has a custom made helmet with the, like, with the, the, the symbol on the back of oh, it. Oh, wow. Are you, you know? kidding? So, like, I get it. Right. But it just it just never spoke to me. And when it came out to PS4, I even declined an early copy of it. I was like, I'm not going to play it. Really? Yeah. So you might as well just give, give the code to someone that's going to wow. actually use it. You know, very interesting. I understand you, that that bit about the controls for sure. And it is odd that there's not sort of a spoken unspoken. I mean, there is. But, you know, you universally, you know, a convention for button configuration. You know, that should be, a th- I mean, that's always been a thing, even if you look back to the NES era, right? I mean, there were development studios that bucked the trend or didn't know or were lazy or got things backwards or just fucked it up. But those were the bad games. Right, you exactly. I mean? Those were the bad games. Well, they're just weird decisions, right? They can, it would be like taking the analog sticks and be like, now you move with the right analog stick and <laughs> right. you control the camera with the left analog stick. <laughs> you know, the one, the, the reason I hated Wii U so much is because of the position of the face buttons. If you, the- I'd have to look at it, but the face buttons are the analog sticks are always below the D pad and the and the face buttons, but right. it's like the other way on the Wii U. It where is I'm like, the what other way. In They're the on the God's top. name. They are the D pads lower. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm like, I remember playing it for the first time, being like, this is not going to happen. Yeah, it's weird. You know, like that's the one thing that I would appreciate that we should talk about is DualShock Two. Yeah, definitely. And, which is you know a great controller. But I love, and I really hope that they continue with this, I love that Sony just keeps the same controller. Yeah. Like, basically just kind of reform. Now, it's worth noting that PS3's controller is so similar to PS2's because the PS3 original controller, which was the Boomerang, was horrible. And they had no time to make another one. So they literally had to use the old controller. I mean, that's basically what happened. But I love that controller. Me too. But, you know, when I was in Japan... One of the times I went to Japan when I went to Sony, I don't remember which time it was. I think it was before PS4 came out. I was talking to Mark Cerny, and, and, you know, who's obviously the architect of PS4. I was interviewing him, and I'm like, did you guys mess around with other controller configurations? Xbox is really famous for offset analog sticks, for instance. Like, the people really swear by that. And they're like, yeah, we have all sorts of controllers that we tried. And I'm like, I want to see what they look like. But they stuck with the parallel controller, the parallel sticks, and... It just feels right. So I like that continuity, that genetic continuity. Me too. Them. Me too. It's very well said. Now you talk. Now we want to hear you talk about PlayStation. Call. We want to hear you talk about PS2. That's enough of me taking up the time. Well, no, I don't mind. I love hearing you talk about all these things. For, for me, Dagan, PS2 was a machine. You know, so I got mine in October of 2000. As you know, a lot of people know my birthday. Dagan's is even more pronounced because Dagan's birthday is in December, but my birthday is in October. So I have in the past tried to combine my birthday and Christmas presents to finagle our parents into getting me things. There you go. Right. 
And, you know, not taking advantage of the situation so much as just being like, it's logical for you to just take the Christmas money, take the birthday money, combine it, buy me this big thing. So mom did do that for me for PS2. I got the PS2 the day it came out. And the, and the only way in GameStop at the time that you can get PS2 because they were scarce, they would only sell them if you would bought a $500 package. So they wouldn't just sell the console. Right. And I don't know if people remember this, but they wouldn't do it. You had to buy a game. You had to buy a controller, like an extra controller, a memory card. I would have bought a memory card anyway and a game anyway. And you had to buy like the warranty for $499.99. And then they would sell you the PS2. Wow. So I remember going with mom in Massachusetts and she bought it for me. And I remember getting, uh, like I said, NHL 2001 and I got Summoner. And I came home and bought them. And I really only played NHL 2001 for a long time. So I was like, this game sucks. I think I went and got Fantavision later. Even PSM and some of these weren't that hyped on any of these games. I think a lot of people were disappointed. So like the earliest games that I played on PS2 were like Smuggler's Run. I think the Bouncer, people really disparaged that game. But I think that that was the first game that I got where I was like, yeah, this is I like this. The first game, the first seminal PS2 game was Animusha from from my perspective. Now, Animusha was just re-released on PS4. And I was so pleasantly surprised by that because the Animusha franchise has been dead since 2006. We had four Animusha games on PS2 and then just never heard from it again. And so this seems to be them testing the waters. And by the way, the game holds up pretty well. It's fixed camera angles, so it's very jarring. Like I I have some video footage of it where it's like you're fighting a boss and the camera's like fucking changing constantly. It's, It's very old, but it's so good. And so Animusha was really the first major game on PS2 for me that I fell in love with. Okay. And I think that was spring of 2001. I think I was in 11th grade. And then from there, you know, I was really anticipating my senior year in high school in 2001, 2002. I was all about the GameCube. And I think that any of my friends that remember me at the time, I was ready for that console. And I, I got it when it came out and Luigi's Mansion and Smash you Brothers and all so these games. You were so excited about the GameCube. Yeah, I, I was, because at the time, I was a PlayStation fan and a PlayStation gamer, but I wasn't a PlayStation fan for PlayStation games. I was a PlayStation fan because that's where you can play Japanese role-playing games. Right. So I had no allegiance, and I really still have no allegiance to any brand. I mean, I'm going to go where the, I, I feel like I'm, I'm getting the best experience, but I was a Nintendo fanboy, like through and through, 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 through my entire life, right up through the Wii, or to the Wii. The Wii was what killed me. Yeah. And even then, as friends of mine always joke around, like Greg used to joke around and others, like, I really held on to that thing for a while. Like, I would buy third-party games on Wii. I'd play, like, you know, whatever, you know, 007 or whatever game yeah. that came out on everything. I'd play it on Wii like a fucking idiot, right? So people that aren't familiar with that, Colin, which why would you be? I wasn't really a professional at that or wasn't a well-known. I wasn't on Podcast Beyond yet and all that. You wouldn't have known me. Not yet. I loved Nintendo. I lived and died by it. And so PS2 was really my secondary console. My tertiary console was Xbox. But PS2 was something that I played one-fifth as much as I played my GameCube throughout the entire generation. But the games that I wrote down that were memorable for me... Yeah, I can't wait to hear these. Let me see here. I have it right here. So I wrote down Metal Gear Solid 2. That came out in the my senior year. I think that was the fall of 2001. And I was really, really into it. I loved it. I loved the original Metal Gear Solid. So that was a really important game to me. Animusha 1, Animusha 2. I Animusha, was going to ask you about 2. Animusha 2 came out the same day that Super Mario Sunshine came out. And the reason I remember that is because I dispatched Dad to Smith Haven Mall to buy me Animusha 2 and to buy me Super Mario Sunshine. He was really thrilled about it. Samurai's Destiny? Is that what it's called? It's Animusha 2? I think so. I think that's the same. How was it? How did that stack up Animusha to the first two was, I liked. I loved Animusha 2. And then Animusha 3 came out, and I didn't like it that much. It had like a modern twist to it. Jean Renault or whatever that actor's name is in it. 
Oh. which I think is why it was never released again. And then Dawn of Dreams came out, which is the fourth one when I was in college. And I really, I think that's the best Animusha game. And that was the last one we got. Four. Four, yeah. Okay. It was not called four. It was called Animusha Dawn of Dreams, but it was Animusha four. Okay. I have Ratchet and Clank written down. I really love the original Ratchet and Clank. Now, Ratchet and Clank was remade for PS4 in 2016 by Insomniac. And it's excellent. So it's I, really I, I really recommend people buying it. If you haven't played it yet, it's really, really good. And it really shows that kind of golden era of platformer. Yeah, I'm going to grab that. Now, what was cool about the PS4 release of Ratchet and Clank was that it was natively $40 at launch, which I thought was really wise. And and it really proliferated that game a lot. And you haven't seen the last of Ratchet and Clank on PS4. So Ratchet and Clank is really, really highly recommended. The thing about the PS2 original, though, is what Insomniac fixed very wisely in the remake because it's, again, not a re-release, it's a ground-up remake of the game, is what people might remember is that Ratchet and Clank didn't like each other in the original one. Like, they were kind of adversarial, and it was very uncomfortable. Like, I didn't like it. Really? And no. they fixed that in the remake, like, where they're friends. Okay. You know, because I was like, I don't like that Ratchet and Clank don't like each other. Yeah, because you know? you're trying to play this game, and you try to fight it, but you, got to, you have to unite against a common enemy, right? Right, exactly. Uh, Sly Cooper is a great series. Sly Cooper's not a series that I jumped into all the way until it came to PS3, now, folks might remember that Sly Cooper is really significant on PlayStation 3 because Sly Cooper was really one of the first, along with God of War and a couple of others, one of the first collections. Like, we take collections for granted now. And obviously, we got collections back with Super Mario All-Stars and all that. I'm not saying that that didn't happen. Ninja Gaiden Trilogy was on SNES. But what I'm saying is, is that, like, this whole thing of re-releasing games, bundling them together, you know, having Blue pointed these other port studios kind of massage them a little bit. This really started a lot with Sly Cooper and, and kind of let that live again. So I do recommend Sly Cooper. I have Mega Man Anniversary Collection on here. Oh, very well done. That came out in 2004, and that's Mega Man 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. Now, the PS2 version is the essential version. The GameCube version inverts A and B, and you cannot map them, and it's oh, unplayable. That's weird. It's totally unplayable. That's weird. I you always thought that, that was strange. Just change it if you're going to make that the default. I just can't know? believe that Like that, that was not only the decision made, but that that got their Q&A, and like, no one complained about it. And that was before you can patch games and stuff. God of War 1 and 2 are excellent games. Okay, I want to ask you about God of War. Now, I like God of War from a gameplay perspective. I hate Kratos. <laughs> you don't like the character. I can't stand that character. But, you know, God of War was made by my friend David Jaffe, who, you know, is of Twisted Metal fame. And from a gameplay perspective and from a graphical and fidelity perspective, those games are really, really great. And those games have been re-released and, and not, you can play them in a lot of different places. Yeah. So I do recommend those. Um, I, I didn't play it, but I do recommend for racing fans, A-Spec, the third Gran Turismo game is very famous. And, you know, I think a lot of people really love that game as well. You had already mentioned Dark Cloud. I had already mentioned Smugglers Run and the Bouncer. So those are kind of like the really big games for me, because when we have inevitably, I think we haven't done a GameCube episode yet, have we? Maybe we did. GameCube? No, we didn't ranking the Nintendo. Consoles. Right. You're right. Exactly. We didn't do a GameCube Not episode. GameCube I don't think we did a GameCube specific one. That was really where I spent. 80% of my time and 80% of my money. I would say I spent 15% of my time and money on PS2 and 5% of my time and money on Xbox. So, like, really, I was all about the Nintendo first-party games and some third-party offerings, but I was just really up GameCube's ass at that time. And really, this was the era in which I could afford everything, or not everything, but I could afford really whatever I wanted for the first time. Dreamcast was also in the mix at this time, we have to remember. Nice. I really held on to Dreamcast until 2002, Again, Dreamcast was, you know, kind of discontinued in the spring of 2001, but I had a pretty extensive Dreamcast collection as well. And what was so strange about that was that I had no love for Sega. It wasn't until your friend PJ imported Dreamcast from Japan before it came out here in the famous 9999 marketing campaign that I was like, wow, I like this console. It has a foam port. 
Crazy Taxi is awesome. Soul Calibur is awesome. Yeah. Power Stone is awesome. Oh my god! So, so Dreamcast good. was really nipping into that early PS2 for me as well. And I was sad. I'm the last Dreamcast game I bought was Sega Smash Pack, which was in probably the spring of 2001 or no, the spring of 2002. Two, yeah. Right. So, you know, that also played in there. So you really had four kind of consoles vying for attention at that time. And so totally, you I, did. Yeah. Well, I know that it's not a popular thing with a lot of people like I think PlayStation 2 is just the worst hardware, you know, but the one thing that we now that's all relative. It's a great console. Right. Of course. But the really the big thing that we have to talk about is its DVD functionality, because oh, I really think that this is why it proliferated so much. And this was why I think that even with its weak launch lineup and kind of how it kind of eased into its games. And by the way, didn't have a really robust first party support system, you know, um, it just didn't. Like we look at Sony's first party now is so essential oh, yeah. to the success of PS4 and PS3 too, but there wasn't that much going on on PS2. You had your God of Wars and you had your War of the Monsters and your Fantavisions and stuff, but it wasn't. It was being driven by other people's games. Yes, there aren't that many like PS2's top selling games or Gran Turismo games and some others, but a lot of Grand Theft Auto games and stuff like that. While when you're going to reflect back on PS4, it's going to be obviously your Call of Duties and all that, but it's going to be a shit ton of first party games. You know, Spider Man, God of War. Uncharted, whatever the case might be, you know, Bloodborne. So, yeah, so that's kind of where I stand on it. But the DVD functionality was so fascinating to me. And I would just buy DVDs like they were going out of style. I had I, I gave away my DVD collection to Goodwill because it's valueless, like even trying to sell the DVDs. Like there's a store called Amoeba in San Francisco. It's a famous music and movie store. Yeah. And I even went and tried to figure out, like, how much can I even get for this shit? And it's like literally nothing. You know, so I gave away all my DVDs. But that was really <laughs> like what my PS2 was primarily for was DVDs. And I remember like just letting DVDs play overnight and just like you know, going to sleep to my DVD player and stuff. And that was like my obsession oh, because people were still Same into thing. VHS. Yeah. Yeah. It was your first DVD player. Call? Yeah. That was my first that DVD was your first player. One. That wasn't your first DVD player. It wasn't, it wasn't my first one, but I got it as a DVD player because you could get a PlayStation two, you know, essentially che- it was a Sony DVD player and it was cheaper than going into like, you know, Sam Goody or, you know, PC Richards or wherever Best Buy and buying a actual Sony branded DVD player. It was actually cheaper and wiser just to buy the PS2. So you had everything, you know? And again, you know how many times I watched The Patriot in that thing? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Of course. It's obscene. No, I, I, that was what was so amazing about it to me was just the DVD functionality and very wise decision by Sony to make an affordable console that had DVD functionality. It was just wise. It was just a really smart thing to do. They knew exactly what they were doing. And absolutely. And I, and so I think that that and, and that, that's what made GameCube's decision to go with min, like this mini proprietary disc format so strange like they're just so frustrating in in that regard you know i don't even think i'm not even sure we played dvds thinking that we play dvds i'm not sure because you have to pay a licensing fee for every console sold if you have like this functionality if you don't own it like like jvc owns vhs technology so like they were perfectly happy with everyone selling vhs's because they were just getting money on everything sold whether whether they made it or not you know (laughs) So there's that. But let's jump back in, Dagan. Please. Some some uh, listener. Some listener thoughts writings, here. Again, jottings. you can support us on Patreon and write in and let us know. By the way, Do Joshua it. Staggs and Dennis Fox did write into us about Essential Games. We already talked about that. Did they have anything on the list that we didn't talk about? He says God of War Games, Dragon Quest, Final Fantasy, DMC. Devil May Cry is, is a oh, pretty Devil substantial. Cry. I did like Devil May Cry. The funny thing about Devil May Cry is that it was originally that's Devil May Cry. The original Devil May Cry was the first version of Resident Evil 4. 
which a lot of people don't really know. Yeah. And so the game. Yeah. Like the game turned into Devil May Cry. Like yeah. that was Resident Evil. Yes. And then they made it into Devil May Cry and Resident Evil 4 went in a different direction. That's why Resident Evil 4 took so long to make. Because remember, Resident, you had Nemesis and all that kind of stuff. And then there was a long period of time, like four years before you got another Resident Evil. Game. I can't wait to jump. With the exception of Resident Evil Zero, which came out in 2003, I think. But that's okay. not really. A, okay. I like Resident Evil Zero, but that was a GameCube game. And Code Veronica is on PS2, right? Yeah, Code Veronica is on PS2 and Dreamcast. Okay, I that's think. weird. Okay. If I remember correctly, I think I had it on Dreamcast, actually. David S. Graham wrote into us about Jack and Daxter, which we already talked about yes. as well. Yes, indeed. One thing that I wanted to talk to you about, which I think is interesting, is Andrew Maida wrote into us and said, on the PS2, the logo on the disc tray turned 90 degrees. How long did it take you to realize that? Wait. And so I wanted to talk to you about this. So the PS2, the color PS2 logo, you can turn because the PS2, as far as I, I was racking my brain about this, and I think it's true. The PS2 is the first console that lets you do, lets you set it up two different ways. Okay. Yes. And so the logo turned depending on how you wanted to set it up, whether you wanted to set it up flat or whether you wanted to stand it up. It didn't do it on its own. You had to actually do it. Right. Exactly. So so that you so that the PlayStation logo would be, you know, readable. Right. I never knew this. Yeah. Why do you guys know so much stuff? Um, Pissing me off. This is useless information. (laughs) But nonetheless, I never knew that. Yeah. So I was actually going to ask you, did you stand your PS2 up or did you lay it down? I stood it up. I felt like you had to do that. You had to do the vertical. I ultimately friend. did lay it down because okay. the PS2 apparently did play better standing up. That That's kind of the theory, but I laid it down because I was always afraid I was going to tip it over because yeah. you had to buy the stand. It would fall. It made it seem, I remember, the one thing I was frustrated about is it made it seem like the stand came with the PS2, but it didn't. It didn't. No, it didn't. So it, it was too easy to tip over. It was steady. It's a rectangle. It was steady, but. Yeah, and heavy. Yeah. Fairly heavy. So I remember standing it up because I felt like that was like the cool thing to do. But that, the fact that they gave you an option we kind of take that for granted today. And actually, if you look at a lot of consoles today, you know, Sony was really still the only one with Xbox 360, I guess, is the exception. The only one that was really still doing something like that. You know? Yeah, isn't it interesting? The Wii, you could like kind of fuck around, but the Wii had the rubber feet on it, indicating that it really did want to be laid down. That's and true. The, true. The Wii did. The like Wii it was did. indicating that you really were probably supposed to be like this. So I just thought that that was an interesting design aesthetic as well. Definitely. Like, that's well said. It's a good. I'm glad you brought that point up. And, you, you know, technically you could do anything you want with any console. Yeah, I mean, you could might not be a great idea. Right. Well, I mean, a PS1, you know, famously would, you know, when PS1 started to die, turning it upside down would make them work. You know, oh, I just thought of something. Hit me. Hanging it. Hanging it. Yeah. Hang hanging the, it. Yeah. Why not? Here's the thing. Now you're making me really think people aren't being inventive enough with the physical appearance and aesthetic of the console. We need to get Dyson on this. Dyson, a Dyson Sony collaboration. Why not? You know what I mean? Dyson are the, their masters of the design. Put a little industrial design in this thing. Yeah. Why not? Whatever the thing. I want to see this with play, PlayStation 5. Well, yeah. PlayStation I want to see it transform. It's a, It's just a, it's like an ornament on a tree. <laughs> yeah. So I, I liked that as well because I think that the indication was that this was the first console launch that this was supposed to be part of your entertainment system. And so I think that they wanted to make it sleek looking. Yeah. And they wanted to make it easily fit you know into wherever you needed to put it and i think that they wanted to make it you know kind of like you know the the centerpiece we take that for granted again today of like of course the ps4 is in your living room but back in the day this was still relatively new thing i mean maybe we're looking at it through our own lens but like it was kind of like annoying to our parents if we had our consoles on the tv that everyone was playing and they were so ugly look at the go go back to late 70s early 80s to mid 80s look at the atari 2600 Look at the NES. I mean, the Atari it's 20, a brick. The Atari twenty six hundred is hysterical, just in that it has like wood paneling it's, on it. Oh yeah, they they did try. Yeah. It did kind of fit into that aesthetic. You know, everybody had the wood. Pa- that's true. They had the wood paneling. They tried. Time. Now, how how aesthetically for you, just from the look of the console, how does it hold up? 
the is original it, is it dated? one it is I mean, it's definitely dated but i think that there's fat i think the fat the fat ps2 the ps2 slim i hate did I, you ever own a slim no I, I never, never my either. PS2 still works, I think. Well, you have my PS2, I think, but I, I it worked. That's your OG PS2. Yeah, the, that's the launch PS2. Mine too. And oh, and you had a launch one. Yeah, I, I have an original a, launch PS2. Launch. The last time I played PS2, like actually played PS2, I think Wild Arms, Wild Arms 4, I think was the last game I played on PS2. And I think that okay. was in 2007. So it's been a really long time. It's a long time. And so, yeah, no, I think, I don't want to say that it holds up because I don't think that's true, but aesthetically it's iconic the ps2 is an iconic machine yeah you know i think up there with the nes i think the nes you know even though we're making fun of it, i think the nes is an iconic look oh right it's and i think ps2 is up there with that iconic look i think xbox 360 is another one of those iconic machines the the yes, white one definitely you know so definitely I, and I, the wii u in the wii u <laughs> oh actually the and the wii and the Wii. The Wii is so small. The Wii is awesome. It's impressively small. The Wii is elegant. It is elegant. The I mean, Wii it does, is it not can't, elegant. It's barely more powerful than a PS2, so of course they can fit it all in there. But the Wii, I was always shocked. Like when I bought my Wii, which I didn't, I couldn't find one until 2007. I was oh fucking frantic. Oh my God, frantic. remember that? That was awful. I bought was you yours. Awful. You did? Because I, I, I got, mailed it. Yeah, I saw it. I was like, yeah, I just bought it. I was like, someone must need that this. That wasn't available for a year out here. It was a like, year. So, but I remember taking it out of the box and being like, this is how small, like this is really small it's small i think it's probably maybe dreamcast is almost as small but i think it's probably the smallest console ever actually That's a good point no actually famicom's smaller oh the famicom's the smallest well no i mean i'm looking at your famicom right now as we're doing this it might be the same size it's similar similar in size but it doesn't have the cigarette smoke damage of, no. of the one i bought you no not yet <laughs> at least so yeah so i i think you know it's it's just an iconic machine and I understand because because of the way it snuck into people's homes with the DVD functionality, I think it made a lot of gamers. And I think that, you know, on the flip side with the 150, I think it's 155 million sold. That's a really impressive, insurmountable number. I, I'm confident in saying nothing's going to sell 155 million, although I did say that no console would sell 100 million again. And PS4 is going to sell 100 million. So who knows? Maybe yeah. PS4 will sell 155 yeah. million. You never know. You never know. Which, if that happened, that would be insane. Can you imagine? I mean, that's just that's such shows such a healthy console market, which makes me so happy. Yeah, me too. But I do think that you have to be honest in the fact that, like, if you look at the attach rate of PS2 and you look at the amount of software sold, there's a lot of software sold. But half the people that bought this machine were not playing games on it and never played games on it. And the other important thing to keep in mind is that this machine proliferated in developing markets way after it was dead here. So if you go to places like Brazil and Argentina, if you go to places like South Africa, if you go to places like, you know, the Indian subcontinent and stuff like that, where consoles are more expensive or in the case of Brazil, where Brazil. consoles are incredibly expensive because of import taxes yeah. and tariffs, the PS2 proliferated. It's the same reason why Sega is still huge in Brazil, by the way. Like, there's a Master System and Genesis is culture there. Is that the there. reason? Yeah. It's because you, if they have really restrictive tariffs in Brazil. Right. Import, I think PS4 at launch was $2,000. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. And it's not because that's what it was. It's because the import tax. Holy shit. So, I think that that's an important part of it, too, is that the reduction in price, the prolifer, you know, the, the emerging markets in Eastern Europe and in South America and stuff kept this thing alive. Yeah. Long after we had moved on in, you know, kind of, I don't want, I'm not using this pejorative, but kind of like in the first world, right? And so the PS2 had the luxury of finding a new audience really over and over again, as opposed to when you think about PS1, PS1's limelight was beginning and ended in five years. Yeah. But PS2, again, 13 years of manufacture. So long. And 18 years of new games, or I'm sorry, 18 years of Sony support. 
Yeah. You know, of, uh, almost two decades of support in terms of fixing it, in terms of releasing a few games here and there as of, you know, 2013, 2014. So I think you have to kind of put it in a context. PS2 seems like a behemoth and it was. It destroyed its competition. It fucking obliterated it. Yeah. If you, if you combine the sales of Dreamcast, Xbox and GameCube and multiply them by three, then they sold as much as the PS2. Isn't that, that's unbelievable. That's really, that's something else. But for me, I, I just, I need to throw that out there as well, because I think that there's a lot of people that, you know, the, the, for instance, the attach rate on PS4 right now is like nine and a half. That's way more impressive than PS2's attach rate, you know, and PS4, by the way, also has all of this functionality. Yes. Blu-ray player, Netflix, yeah, Amazon, you can literally do whatever the fuck you want on yeah. it. Yeah. You know, you can watch porn, you can watch YouTube, you can do anything you want. And still a nine and a half attach rate stronger than PS2's. So... I think that that's that's worth throwing out there as well. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, of course. Because I think that we look at it through rose-colored glasses sometimes, and that's why I've always tried to be a realist about the PS2. Like, I think the PS3 is a superior machine, and I think the PS4 is shits all over all these machines. So rank the rank them one through four for me. The the Sony consoles. four three one two. I'd probably say four three one two. Okay. Wow. And if you included Vita and PSP, it would probably be something like four three Vita PSP one two. Something wow. Like okay. Cool. That's interesting. Yeah. PSP right. special to me. And Vita, now, what's Vita's the popular set? Like that's yours. Yeah. The popular ones. I think. I think it's well known that PS2 is probably the most famous okay. console. But again, these. This is a numbers game. There's just that's the console most people had, and I think yes. that, that, that we are suckers for nostalgia. This is a nostalgia podcast. Absolutely. So I understand that. It's the same reason why the NES will always be my favorite console. Yeah. Nothing will ever happen that will make the NES not my favorite console. Yeah, that's just pure, and, and it's a lot of that's just that's where your gaming started. Complete nostalgia. Yeah. I mean, it go back. I mean, like I understand it's complete nostalgia. Yeah. There are great games on there, but when you're sure. talking about depth and diamond, you know, the dynamics of a game and and genres and exploration and stuff. I mean, the NES sucks. You right. know, like when you really think about it, it's like yeah, it's an awesome machine. Yeah. It has awesome games on it, but it's like. And that's what started you as a gamer. Right, exactly. So like that, it doesn't matter that the NES is like this art, you know, the NES is like 34 years old. It's you know? insane to think about. And it literally is. And it's got no power and it's got a shit ton of horrible games on it. And but I don't care. That's part you of know? the charm. Yeah, exactly. It just it's, is. It's just it's just it's the same thing with Mega Man 3. Like Mega Man 3 has incredible slowdown. It's clearly not finished. Yeah. There's this 90 second intro song with no animation, <laughs> you know, like, but it's the best game of all time for me. You know? Yeah, you just love it. You it's just, just the way it. it is. Now, Dave, Simon Corey wrote into us. We hey, hadn't Simon. brought up GTA 3 already, but I really do think mm. that this game is arguably the most important release on the console. And therefore, I do want to talk about it a little bit more. Again, Please. we will dedicate a show just to GTA 3. GTA 3 is on PS4, by the way, along with Vice City and San Andreas, so you guys can go out and play it very easily. Okay. I, it's trophy supported, too, and I think that they are each $9.99, so you can get all three of them, I think, for like 30 bucks. Wow, really? Yeah. Oh, I'm on, I'm on that. Simon Corey wrote and said, hi, guys. Hi, guys. First, thanks for the hours of entertainment. My question is for the PS2 episode. This console had many great games, but for me, the game or game series that defines the console is GTA. When GTA 3 came out, it blew my mind. An open world where I could do anything. For someone whose gaming started with Atari, this was truly next gen. How important in making PlayStation 2 and gaming mainstream was Grand Theft Auto? Everyone where I worked got a PS2 to play this game. Gaming was cool now, now for adults. Do you think GTA series helped sell many PS2s? How badly did it affect the image of the kitty Nintendo GameCube? And what memory of GTA 3, etc. coming out do you have? Can you believe how a console now... I'm sorry. Can you believe now a console having three GTA games in its lifespan? Keep killing it with great content. That is an awesome point. I love great that. Great point. Rockstar's entire mantra about Grand Theft Auto changed. 
you know, like on a like on a dime. Because what they really easily could have done yeah. with Grand Theft Auto is licensed it and had a Grand Theft Auto game every year and on PS3. Mm, I never thought of, I never really thought of that. And PS4. Keep this in mind. GTA 4 came out in 2008. Yeah. GTA 3 came out in 2013. And we haven't had a GTA game since. And there's no GTA. There's probably a GTA game in development, but we don't know much about it. It might be an online only GTA game. But when you think about GTA on PS2, you got a GTA in 2001. You got a GTA in 2003. You got a GTA in 2004. That's, that's when those games came out. That's insane. I didn't realize they were so close. So they had a different mantra. But what's so funny when you look back at it is that GTA 4 and GTA 5 individually both outsold the PS2 GTAs by a mile because they kept them alive for a really long time, whether it's with DLC with GTA 4 or whether it's with the all important Grand Theft Auto online, which is still very popular today. Right. I think Grand Theft Auto 5 has sold more than 100 million units, you know, which is fucking bonkers that's insane that's more that's more copies than every naughty dog game has ever sold you know that one game that's just crazy arguably the most critically acclaimed studio in the history of games you know i don't i think it would be almost impossible to argue that point right they are they revolution you know i remember seeing gta 3 digging in grant in in psm and the story of me buying it, and again, this might be wrote for people that listen to me for a long time, but I paid a guy in, he, there was a guy and his wife and his kid in a carriage in Smith Haven Mall on Long Island. They wouldn't sell me the game because I wasn't old enough. I was 16 when GTA 3 came out and it was an M-rated game. So I think you had to be 17 or something to buy it. And okay. games at the time were 50 bucks, as people remember. So with New York sales tax, I think games were like 5380 or something. And... I wish I remembered the exact price because all the games cost the same exact amount of money. Right. They did. Yeah. And so because the cartridge era, obviously, we got a bunch of different stuff. But then with, you know, the AAA game and A games on PS2, they all cost forty nine ninety nine. And I remember there was a guy in front of EB. I just was like, here's $60. You can keep the few dollars. Actually, can you go and buy me the game? And he did. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. That's how I got GTA 3. And I remember bringing it home and just being blown away. I never played any- that game is revolutionary. I never played anything like it and it's funny because i started playing it again last year on ps4 and it's so bad is it bad like it's really unplayable in a lot of ways is it really but it's but it's it's just because of the conventions of the way games feel and look it's not even the look of the game it's the way the game feels that's really a problem it's the controls and the and the driving controls are fine it's so funny like the driving controls are mapped to the face buttons like it's very it's very interesting you know in that regard using all the codes to spawn all these crazy weapons and just running around getting chased by the cops and stuff. There's just nothing. That game was so far ahead in terms of what it was trying to do that it was very forward thinking. And yeah. we take it for, we take that entire genre for granted, but it really started there. And, you know, Vice City is my favorite Grand Theft Auto game. Mine too. I, I, mostly because of the soundtrack and the setting, the 80s setting. It's so fun. But what's funny, what I was thinking about Dagan is that if you could follow this, we are as as distant from San Andrew or from Vice City's launch yeah. as Vice City was from its setting. Does that make any sense to yeah, you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So when did wait, when did Vice City come out? Vice City came out in 2003. Okay. And I remember mom, I, I that's the year I lived with mom and I remember showing her that like I can cut people up with like katanas and stuff in the game and that was the game that introduced motorcycles, did I believe it come for out the first three time. 2003 or 2? What? To the Vice City, 2003 or 2002? It's 2003, I think. It's 2003, okay. Yeah, I think it's spring to like early 2003, but I could be wrong. But I think it's I think it's spring 2003. Okay. And I liked uh, that notorious Vice City commercial with uh, <laughs> Flock of Seagulls and the amazing licensing that they got for the soundtrack. Oh, my Vice God. Vice City to me is like 
really a step above because with GTA three, they had, you know, Laszlo and all the really, there's a lot of really funny stuff on the radio and there's a lot of like made up songs in the show, but yeah. they, they really like, or like, you know, smaller independent songs. And then they really went like full bore with the licensing for vice city. And I think that's vice city has the best soundtrack of any video game ever. Oh, it's hilarious. It's so good. It's so good. And to have a theme, you know, to to take GTA and then take it to the next level and theme it around the eighties and, you're sort of parodying that my whole Miami Vice thing and the soundtrack and the aesthetic of the outfits and the specific cars of that period. And oh, my God, dude, that's the one I have the most perspective with. Again, because I miss San Andreas and I have to go back and really experience that game more. I didn't play that very long. But Vice City is really where we that's where we hung our hat. I mean, right. we played that for that might be the game I've played for the most hours per, you know, like of the disc generation games. Well, they did just enough in that game, as far as I remember. It's been a while since I played it, a long time, actually. But I think they did just enough to make it seem different and to kind of, like, they changed the setting up. It was very nostalgic for people that were playing it that grew up in the 80s. The soundtrack, like I said, was awesome. They introduced, like, different kinds of vehicles. And it was silly as shit. Yeah, it was silly. Like, you can buy properties. And, like, they, 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 they did enough to, like, keep you engaged. It felt more like a role-playing game. And I think San Andreas went too far with CJ, the, the main character with like where you had to keep him fit and like work out. And yeah, it. it was San Andreas was the one I didn't beat because I was like, I don't really takes away the fun fact. Yeah. A bit. GTA four pound for I think GTA like Vice City is my favorite Grand Theft Auto game, but I think GTA four is probably the best Grand Theft Auto game, especially Ballad of Gay Tony, the DLC. I absolutely love. Yeah, is that it. good? And I on the back of my motorcycle helmet when I used to ride my scooter. I had a lost the first DLC pack for GTA four was called lost and damned about a motorcycle gang. And they had like a logo and I got a sticker and put it on the back of my helmet so that like I looked like I was in part of it when I was riding a scooter. <laughs> That's awesome. So I was a that, funny idea. I always thought that was funny. I always wondered if anyone recognized it, I never knew you, did you, know, that. you know, like when I was riding around, like if anyone thought that was funny, you know? So, yeah, I mean, obviously, Simon, we have to give a shout out to Grand Theft Auto, but I really do want to save our, our thoughts on that trilogy for its own episode. I think we could probably do an episode on the trilogy on PS2 and again, very playable on PS4. So, we will get to that. And maybe Definitely. you guys will vote for it on Patreon and force our hand. Brandon Hardman and Patrick Molloy both wrote into us about role-playing games. And was, we're asking what we think the best role-playing games were on PS2. Mm. And Brandon himself said that he thinks that it's the greatest console ever in regards to RPGs. A lot of people do think that, but I just, that's unfathomable to me. You know, when you really think about SNES and particularly PlayStation 1. Yeah. But I'm not really the guy to talk to about this because, again, I was so up Nintendo's ass that unless it was like a P, I probably have... Well, you have my PS2 collection, but I probably have 25 or 30 PS2 games. Not a lot. I have way more GameCube games. Yeah. Like I have everything, like anything you could possibly think of a consequence on GameCube. I have. Yeah. And so I'm like, unless a game, like there were certain games that I was like, I stopped and tried to play like Dot Hack was one of those games that oh, I tried to play. Yeah. How was that? I, I didn't like that game. I, that's another game I brought back. That comes Xenosaga was another game. Xenosaga, of course, we talked a little bit about that. Right. So to me, like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what to recommend. I think that Dragon Quest eight is probably the obvious answer. But I think to Dagan's point earlier, I think Final Fantasy 12 is a really great place. And I to have go. to, I have to go there. Did they say? Did Patrick and who who else was it? Patrick and it was Patrick and Brandon. They didn't say. They maybe didn't say maybe Patrick did say, like? but I I cut his. Uh, so what I do for, here? We'll give him a little glimpse behind the curtain here. Okay. Little Wizard of Oz, please. When you guys submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas, I just open a Google document and I paste, copy and paste your name and everything you say into this document and order them by show. And then I go into them and I clip things. So a lot of people ask the same questions. So what I do is I see who, what I try to do is use names or people that don't get used a lot on our show because people are really familiar with some of the names that we use on the show. Uh, sure. Tyson Williams, Joshua Anderson. People these guys are, right are very in. active, right? You right. Know? 
Uh, Patrick's another one, right? Lots of people write in. So I try to use names that we don't see very often. And so what I do is that I cut the, the, the questions from other people. I use the one person's question. So in this case, Brandon Hardman. And then in parentheses next to Brandon Hardman's name, I put Patrick Malloy, right? So that we know that Patrick asked a similar question. Right, of course. So I try to like kind of contain it so we're not being redundant. I, like I just that. wanted to throw that out there. Very thoughtful, you know, my friend. So as always, I don't know that I'm the right guy to ask. I do have a funny story, though, for you Please. about Final Fantasy 12 and about kind of the late PS2 era. So Final Fantasy 12 is this huge game that was coming out. As people know, I was an IGN freelancer before I was hired by IGN in 2007 when I graduated from Northeastern. So at the time, they would send me like two or three games a month. I would get paid between two and five hundred dollars a guide. I was also writing reviews for, and previews for like TV shows and stuff. So I was making a decent living actually for an 18, 19, 20 year old. Sure. But I was working like a lot, like always working. That's and, all you and certainly strategy guides. I was getting paid like five cents an hour, but I was happy to do it. So Final Fantasy 12 was coming in hot and they wanted a strategy guide ready for the game at launch. But we only had the Japanese version. So they they were like, do you think and it was it's absolutely fucking nuts like in thinking back that we thought this was possible. They're like, do you think it's possible for you to play the Japanese version of Final Fantasy 12 and write a strategy guide for it? So what they ended up doing was sending me a Japanese PS2, which you have because it's in one of my boxes. Right. And you and they sent me a Final Fantasy 12 Japanese copy. And I went to the library at Northeastern Snell Library, beautiful library. And I found this thing on GameFAQs that translated all of the words that you needed to know in Final Fantasy. So like this is what tonic is. This is what Phoenix Down is. This is what go left is and all this kind of stuff. And I tried to play Final Fantasy 12 that way. And I was like, you have after like a few hours, I'm like, this is impossible. You couldn't do it. I was like scouring to it. I had like a 50 page stack. Yeah, I was like looking at a, like a. I was looking at the menu in the Japanese and I was trying to find the thing. Like, And I was like, this is like it's it sounds like a nightmare. Impossible. Like, and thinking How back on it, and I remember them being like, uh, we would laugh about it later because I was like, it, it, I don't know what we were thinking. It wasn't like I was playing a racing game where we only really did know a little bit of text. I'm like, immediately I was like, this is impossible. But I never sent it back. And so I still have the PS2, the Japanese PS2. That's hilarious. You know, so then when it came out in America, I obviously started playing it there. Yeah. But that's like my, that's like really one of my last PlayStation 2 memories because by that time, you know, I had lived with some friends. I was playing tons of NES at the time. One of my roommates had a top loading NES. That's when I played Arquista's Ring for the first time and all this oh, weird right, shit. Right, right. So I, w and you know, I was playing a lot of Xbox 360 at the time too because Xbox 360 had come out and my roommates had it. So we played FIFA a ton and all these like random ass games. So it wasn't, you know, until Wild Arms 4 came out, I didn't play PS2 again. And then that was the last time I played it. Okay. Did yeah. you get to Wild Arms 5? No, I'm trying to even think Wild Arms 5. Is that for PS2? I think it's a PS3 game. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. It might be a PS2 game. Yeah. Media, Media Vision made them all. That's another franchise that needs to come back. But Oh, definitely. Oh, man, that would be amazing. But only Wild Arms 1 and Wild Arms 2 are really worth a damn. You know, Wild Arms 2 is excellent. Yeah, very, very I, I never played Very that. underrated game. Available as a PS1 classic if you guys want to play on PSP or Vita or anything like that. Or but you PS3. know what, Kyle? I like a point that you brought up. This mm. was also an era. The, the PS2 era was when the early adopters of retro video games were starting to get into that. This is when retro video gaming started to become a thing. This is when people were starting to get, you know, snatch up all the NES and SNES cards at Funko Land and stuff. So right. that this was, an, this was an era where that was going on as well. So that's very interesting that you say that. Dude, that was dividing people's interests a little bit. Starting to. Don't even get me started on Funko. Because oh, I could have walked into that store in 1997 and bought every NES cartridge on that fucking wall for $500. Can probably. you imagine? Oh, God. Yeah, easily, I would I remember say. they wouldn't even... I remember they were selling... 
Mario Karts for one penny. And do you remember that? Yes. They, so for people that don't know, Funko Land was this store. I think EB and GameStop eventually bought them or gobbled them up. But it was this game store that both had new games and like really was known for retro games and like old games. And they used to put out this newspaper that would be put out every month where they would price everything. Yeah. And I think I probably have some of them lying around, but the prices were absurd. Oh, I insane. remember buying Mega Man 6 finally. Like that was a big deal for me to buy Mega Man 6 because I only rented it and I really wanted it. I paid $18 at Funko Land for it. Oh my God. Can you? And that was like a lot. Yeah, and that was that was, that was like, like I think, one right, of the, I think that and Dragon Warrior Four were like the most expensive ones, and like you know that uh, Bucky O'Hare and a few other like yeah, random yeah. games, or like the you late know, the, release. Yeah, and also like the Bible games that came out later. Yeah, the like the uh, unofficial games. Yeah, uh, Wisdom Tree. The Wisdom Tree games. That would be a fun. That would be no one would listen to it, but we could do a Wisdom Tree topic. Oh, that'd be hilarious it, because those games were ridiculous. Oh, like Noah's so Ark f- and all that. They're so funny. But it's just it 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 pains me to think back like. I have dreams still to this day of being in Toys R Us looking at or Child's World or whatever, Play World, whatever it was called, looking at just rows and rows of G.I. Joe and just dreaming of just being like just taking them all and just putting them into a cart. They're two ninety nine each. I know. Can we you just know, go or, back? Or when I when I found brand new copies of Genesis's Castlevania Bloodlines in 2002, after I graduated high school, there was like 10 of them at, at Toys R Us and I only bought one of them. And I was like, why did I just buy them all? Oh, my God. No, because you're just not thinking or like that. Or top-loading NESs in a fucking massive, like, and Toys R Us, like, literally, like, a pyramid of them. Oh, my God. For, like, thirty nine ninety nine oh, each or whatever. It's like, dude. I think back on these things, and I'm like, what? Why? Why didn't I know? And you know what? Someone knew. Someone knew. Someone knew, even at that time. Because, Dagan, if I saw that, if I can go back in time, I would have bought every one of those top-loading NESs. Oh, if, they, there were literally 200 of them. I would have been like, I'll take them all. Can you imagine that? And just going in and seeing like, you know, going into KB and looking at the, you know, the NES cartridges and seeing like 12 deep of Little Samson, 12 deep of Flintstones Dinosaur Peak, 12 deep of, you know, Metal Storm. Right. It's just like, oh, my God, like Grey Cart Zelda and the re- and the re-release Metroid and all, like it's like like the yellow cart Metroid. The yellow and, cart Metroid. Yeah. Which is pretty rare. So it's like, I don't know, man, I I. I struggle with that. And, I know. And that's why I really Me do too. try to be mindful of that stuff now. Yeah. Specifically with like, you know, being a journalist in the game industry for so long, I have stuff that no one has. Like, because we would get stuff that they made 20 of, 50 of. I have shit that is incredibly valuable, like really valuable, including, you know, I one of, well, this is something, you know, 12,000 people have, but I have a sealed in box 20th anniversary PlayStation 4, which is worth a fucking fortune. Yeah. You know, like I have... Uh, sealed in box Mega Man 9. I love that fucking thing, by the way. That thing is... Yeah, it's awesome. I didn't open it. It's ridiculous. Greg and I both got one from Sony, and he opened his. I remember when you guys got it. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like, because they're all... Did he open it? Yeah, I'm like, you're out of your mind. Uh, But, you know, I have, like, one of my favorite things is the Mega Man 9, they sent... They made remade Mega Man 9 as a box with an NES cartridge, a real NES cartridge. Yeah, an actual car, physical But it was just the press... Like it was just the press like uh, packet and like, you know, assets, probably hundreds of them. Right. And if, if that and I I knew immediately, I'm like, there's no way I'm opening this. Oh, this and so it's all sealed. And like I have all sorts of stuff. I have Nino Cooney special edition sealed. I have all it's a biggie. So, yeah. And I have all these little toys and stuff. So I just try to be like because Aaron busts my balls. I'm a minimalist by at heart. You're much more of a collector than I am. Right? Yeah. Like I, I throw I obsess throwing shit out. Right. All right. The time. Right. I, I per like once a month or once every two months, I just throw a bunch of shit out of purge. But I have boxes and boxes full of shit. And she's like, why do you insist on keeping this stuff? I'm like, because this shit is going to be worth money. Oh, definitely. That's why. Definitely. That's why. Get that stuff in a safety deposit box, my friend. You know what's called? Here, I'll argue a little point for you that, uh, that dawned on me as you were talking. Let's take 
our lament right about our childhoods and not keeping a fit you know like tommy's my friend tommy's parents had the foresight to do what most people didn't keeping you know buying one action figure keeping one on the card star wars gi joe you know g1 transformer all that stuff most of us didn't do that right but later on when we became you know of our ages when we became cognizant of that and let's say in the late 90s, early 2000s, not only the power of the force line of figures for Star Wars, but like when Phantom Menace came out and we all did it, right? We all kept, we all got them, we all kept them on the card and then we realized it was going to be completely worthless. Worthless. I wonder if that fed in to our carelessness with, you know, Genesis and 16-bit when we saw those still on the shelves around that same period, late 90s, early 2000s, when that stuff still might have been trickling out to the shelves, the last of it. If that played into it, like, oh, fuck it, that's not going to be worth anything. Because, and I'm blaming the Star Wars prequels on that. It could be. Yeah. It's you're, their fault. It, you're right, dude. It's funny. I had a conversation at New York Comic Con one year with a guy who was like a, selling Star Wars stuff. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I have like a, I was just talking to him. I'm like, so I have like every Star Wars figure from 1995 to 2002, every one of them. Like every one of them complete, great condition. I was obsessive. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, we were joking around. He's like, dude, those are less than worthless. He's like, I can get you an 18 wheeler full of those right now. <laughs> I remember him saying that to me and I'm like, you know, like it is disappointing that he's like, they are way over manufactured. And he's like, to your point, he's like, people were all keeping them on card. He's like, right. you want a bid for two and on a card? Here it is. You can just have it. You want <laughs> right. like a, it's like, you know, so everybody was doing the same thing. The one thing I'm disappointed about, which we didn't, you know, I was talking about master system. One of our listeners sent us a master system, which is super cool. So cool. And, and a bunch of games. And I was saying about how Genesis or Sega rather with Master System and Genesis were so ahead of their time in the fact that they were like the whole case is the whole package. Yeah. Like you keep it all. For a lot of us, like we didn't keep our NES boxes. We didn't keep our SNES boxes. They just went in the no, garbage. I didn't. And I, I didn't either. I never even thought of it. No, me neither. And so we kept our instruction manuals and stuff, but it was just a different thing. We don't by the time you get to PS2 and, and PS1, obviously, I mean, N64 was really the last console that really where you had things to throw away. Or less yes. that, that like where things were thrown away. But by that time I was keeping them. So I have all my N64 boxes. Oh, that's cool. You Well, you have them. You should have them. Yeah, that might be in the, in in the Rubbermaid bins in the yeah. attic. Yeah. So, you know, it, there's that too where I think like it was just what do you keep? What don't you keep? What's sure. valuable? What's not valuable? You know, because you even hear from people on NES, like in the NES era that was like throw, throw, eventually throwing away their instruction manuals and stuff like where you didn't oh, I don't need this, you know? And yeah. It's, like, it's it, at the time. It's like, yeah, I guess that's like, why would you keep this? I guess. <laughs> But yes. now it's like, you know, oh, man, it's so it's it's, a, it's it's one of the great laments. So, Dave, I want to just read a couple more things from the audience. Sure. And then if there's anything else you have to say, you can say it. Sure, sure. I'll allow it. And then You'll allow it. You'll allow it. And then we'll wrap it up. Philip Guglielmo wrote in and said, unpopular opinion. The PS2 is the best console for 3D platformers. While the N64 will always be the signature console for the genre, what I love about Jack, Ratchet, and Sly is that they took the best elements of the N64 collectathons, namely exploration and charming characters, and did away with the ridiculous bloat and aimless level design. Plus, they fixed a lot of the issues with previous 3D platformers like slippery controls and the ever-present awkward camera. It's a real strength of the PS2's library that I don't think gets enough recognition. And Trent Miller wrote in something similar because he says the PlayStation 2 is probably my favorite console. It was the first console that really hooked me. We had an NES and an N64, but this was the one that really grabbed me. It played host to some of my favorite games with the Sly trilogy the Ratchet and Clank games and Jack and Daxter. Do you guys think that console mascots like the main protagonists in these games are gone for good? It seems like at least PlayStation has gone for a more mature audience with their first parties. There's no doubt about that. I'm a little disturbed that we skipped from NES to N64 in there. 
Oh yeah, well, what he, happened? He didn't have an SNES. What happened to the 16-bit generation, my friend? I mean, yeah, I, I was going right. to say if you have an NES, you don't need an SNES. But if you have an N64, you need an SNES. <laughs> it's true when we look at the N64 with its very limited library, and I don't mean that as an insult. It no, just has a very limited library it does. of great games, in my opinion. We do look at the platformers. I mean, that that console really did pioneer the collectathon and really did pioneer. Well, I love collectathons. I mean, I'm not insulting that. I, I just platinum Spyro and Spyro 2 for no reason. Oh, last okay. Year. We brought up Spyro. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Well, Spyro is a PS1 game, really. I mean, more. I mean, there are Spyro games on PS2. Sure, sure. Yeah. Enter the Dragonfly and all that, but no one really cares about those. I don't even think Insomniac made those games. Oh, but, is that right? Yeah. I think they had moved on by that point. They were, okay. Well, they were making Ratchet by that point. That, right. And then they moved on from Ratchet to Resistance, etc. So, okay. Although they were making resistance and ratchet at the same time, we're getting way, way, way out of control here with, with all that. So I think he's right, though. I think that we look at mascots on PlayStation 2 and separate them intrinsically from the fact that they're really solid 3D platformers. So we look at Ratchet and we look at Sly Cooper and we look at Jack and Daxter as these mascots, these Sony mascots. The, you know, all three of those are Sony owned mascots. Um, only when we, when we think here, only one of them really developed internally, which is Jack and Daxter developed in Naughty Dog. Well, Sly Cooper's developed by Sucker Punch, but Sony didn't own Sucker oh, Punch right. until right. 2009. So if you want to get really nerdy, we'll get really, you want to get nerdy? Let's do it, my friend. You know, Sucker Punch created, Sucker Punch wasn't purchased by Sony until after Infamous came to PS3. So it was a long time. Oh, wow. That after late? that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know It that. was in between Infamous and Infamous 2 that Sucker Punch was acquired. Okay. So, you know, I'm a savant with PlayStation. I feel like everyone should know that. <laughs> but with... These games, I think it's interesting. I think they make a good point, Dagan, that the mascots are looked at for what they are, but we don't look at the games for the quality that they brought. We talked a little bit about Ratchet and Clank for being high quality, but Sly Cooper really is a high quality game. And, you know, all three of those games are really high of a high quality. And Jack and Daxter, I don't care for Jack and Daxter very much. I don't like it. I don't like the characters. I don't really think... I think it's it's so funny that Naughty Dog made them to me because it's like, what a waste. You know, like... But I know that people really people love, love those games. They do. They do. Indeed. And there's some people even I've gotten into these arguments. People, they're like, they should go back and make a Jack and Daxter game. I'm like, you got your fucking mind. <laughs> you know, like, are you crazy? First of all, they're not equipped to make those games anymore. That the, the studio doesn't make those kinds of games. anymore. Right. But you want the guys that make Uncharted and The Last of Us to go and make a Jack and Daxter would, game. Wouldn't it be funny, though, to be that to show that kind of versatility? Because that's very rare now. It would be funny if they took 20 of their guys and said make a Jack and Daxter game. That would be really. It wouldn't be funny if like they made a Jack and Daxter game for four years. That would that would be the opposite of funny. <laughs> that would be like where is Uncharted? <laughs> yeah, or like where is the you know because the rumors and are the, the rumors cool. are Uncharted five. It's really Uncharted six because Golden Abyss is on Vita, but is being made oh, okay. by a new studio in San Diego. That's kind of the secret studio that's been hiring. While Naughty Dog is going to obviously, I think, segue to something totally different after brand new IP. I, I assume so. They can do whatever they want. That'd be cool. I don't shit. think they even really wanted to make The Last of Us Two. I think that it was a financial Why? imperative. Why? You know? Um, just leave it as a standalone. I don't think it needed. No, I'm, I'm good friends with Neil Druckmann. He's a buddy of mine. Yeah, and he's passionate and he has tons of ideas. But I would like to see him unleashed outside of The Last of Us. You know, he. The thing about The Last of Us Part Two is that I think it's going to be excellent. I think it's going to push. Oh, the, I think God. it's going to push it forward. I think it's going to be really, really special. Definitely. But I also get distracted. I also get distracted by the fact that they had a kind of stop with The Last of Us Two, and they kind of saved Uncharted Four. You know, you remember Amy Hennig left the studio. The the game was in complete disarray. They kind of had to put it back together, so it wasted a bunch of time. So we're just kind of like behind the eight ball with them right now. Where yeah, I, I just feel like we need. I want more out of them. Sure. And I get so frustrated when people are like, "Make Jack and Dak." Like, Shut up. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You know, because to one of the points that we just read, Sony has gone to such a serious direction with their first party 
I think that that's why PS4 is doing so well. So I don't I don't think Jack and Daxter is going to be a big seller. I mean, I you know, I, I, that's my opinion. Yeah. But, you know, The Last of Us Part Two is going to sell oh my eight God. or ten million copies. That's going to this going to be a blockbuster. So I'm getting I'm starting to get the feeling we're recording this in February. It's February, right? Yep. February of two, <laughs> sure is my friend. Jesus Christ, I'm out of my mind. <laughs> February of 2019. I, I'm starting to worry that we're not even going to get the game this year. But we'll see. It's going to be a big one. So they're not going to be at E3 this year. So Sony. So, um, yeah. So anyway, we're getting distracted. But are there any other things that you want to wrap up that we haven't touched on before we kind of, you know, just uh, just other games that, you know, you know, come to the top of my head that I put that I listed that are relevant from, you know, my research and that, you know, indeed should be that we haven't touched on yet. I'll just name anything that we haven't talked about. Yakuza. Oh, yeah. Which is um, still a big series on PlayStation. Big series, a lot, you know, has a big following. I'm, I don't have any perspective with it. I never played the game. People really love those games. And I never played, you know, I never played any of them. Time Splitters, yep. which looks like an interesting game. Have you, did you ever play that? Yeah, and Time Splitters IP, which is dormant, has been dormant for about 10 years, was just recently purchased by THQ Nordic, the Austrian publisher. Oh, interesting. So Time Splitters, I think, is going to live again. That is a very, that's a little interesting anecdote. The most recent Time Splitters game, I think, was 2007 or 2008, and the Time Splitters that was supposed to come out after that was canceled. Okay. I don't all know right. why I know all this stuff. It's really yeah. sad. I like it. It's like actually it. like getting to the point of like, maybe I should start reading things that are a little more useful. <laughs> you know. Anyway, go, you know. Uh, Twisted should... Metal Black? Yes. Never played it. Did you play that game? Uh, no, not Black. Now, Twisted Metal Black was re-released on PS3, I want to say. There's a native PS3 Twisted Metal, but I think that that game came out again. Okay. That's really considered the seminal Twisted Metal game. And that was a game created, interestingly, by a first party studio in Utah um, that doesn't exist anymore. That PlayStation owned that David Jaffe uh, had founded with uh, a few guys. So, so yeah, that that that's an interesting. The, the studio is called Incognito. Okay. And cool name. so that's a that's like a kind of a first party studio that kind of very quickly came and went that I think had its origins with a studio from the 90s called Single Track. Okay. And uh, that made the Jet Moto games, if you remember those. On I PS1. do indeed, of course. By the way, popular game. I always, I, by the way, I owned Jet Moto 3 and I played a lot of Jet Moto. And yeah. for some reason, I was insistent that Jet Moto was like a wave race game. And it's not. What is it? What do you mean it's not a wave it's race? It's not game? like, like, you know, wave race? Like, 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 yeah, like, yeah like, exactly. Like, I always thought it, it's not. It's like some futuristic thing, but I always had remembered it as like. That's wrong. what I'm remembering it as. Yeah, I don't think it is. Oh, it's not. I don't think so. Oh, like, I think Jet Moto is like supposed to be the fact that it's like not a wave race. Game. That's really funny that you say that because that's exactly what was in my head. Yeah, like I, I literally owned one of them. <laughs> so, you know, there's that. Uh, Gungrave, which looks like a really interesting game. Yeah, I like people like Gungrave. Yeah, uh, Mr. Mosquito. We talked mm-hmm. about a little bit. Looks really, really fun. So, really silly. Really yeah, inventive. quirky game. Did you ever play that? Yeah, that was one of the ones I almost. I was like, I almost have to play this game, but I wanted to play something that you know, ones that had a little more relevance as like best games of all. That's time. when Sony would invest. You know, and right on through PS3 when they would invest in a lot of weird shit. Now they're all about investing in very few, very I like big that. Games. I really like that a lot. I don't yeah. know what I like more. I mean, like when you look back at 2018, for instance, last year with PlayStation 4, there were only three exclusives of any consequence, but they were massive games. Yeah. You know? yeah. Detroit is probably the smallest. Oh, right. Them. But then Spider-Man and God of War were massive games. And I think that they see it and they're like, we just got to put our resources into a few things. You know? And Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I understand both both perspectives. I, I like the idea of trying something new, but I know it's also a tough, you know, it's it's always the video game market has always been tough for that. Mm hmm. You know, we didn't talk about Kingdom Hearts at all. No. Can we not? (laughs) 
Can we not <laughs> that talk was about a, that was on purpose. There we mentioned it for you guys. We mentioned Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts is one of those things where like we're never going to do an episode about the show on Kingdom Hearts. Aren't uh, you guys playing it for Sacred? Is that well, yeah? Going? But that will be like a let's play. Okay. And, but I'm like, if you ever vote for us to do Kingdom Hearts on the show, I'm vetoing it. <laughs> so I'm just letting you guys know that right now. I've never vetoed anything you guys have ever. Not elected. a Kingdom Hearts guy, and I know I we have listeners that love it. No, we have lots of listeners, that, and I, I feel bad because I think a lot of people think I'm seriously like shitting on it all the time. I'm really only joking around. If you right, like, like whatever you want, I think that's great. But of course, but I can't fucking handle it. Like it's just, I don't understand what's going on. And if you watch like a lot of the funny videos people put up where they just like mash together all those cutscenes and stuff like what's going on in this game? Why does uh, it's like a great conspiracy? I think that anyone actually does like it's it. But nonetheless, well, I love the idea. I always loved the idea of Disney and Square getting together to do something. But I'm not sure how I feel about the final product. I don't know. Let's put it this way. Disney and Square got together to do the original Kingdom Hearts so long ago that it was Squaresoft. So that's right. You know, it wasn't even like it was before the Enix merger. Right. That's right. That's how long it took them to get this third fucking game out. It's a long time. Ridiculous. I could only imagine what Disney's notes are like they're they they probably have such a tight grip over the creative of this that I wonder if, you know, Square Enix is even if it's even worth it. Yeah, they probably just like, like you know, the the game, they keep re-releasing the games. They have all those interstitial games like 2.5, 2.9 and what, you know, final remix and whatever. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I don't People love it. I mean, it's it's, it's fine. Whatever. It's, it's each his own. Yeah, I, it's whimsical. Mm-hmm. I love Naughty Bear. I'm not the one. I'm not going to sit here and judge. <laughs> there you go. I love the game about the teddy bear that goes around and murders other teddy bears at parties. <laughs> That's the game I like. So, And you know what game I forgot to mention called The Warriors, which I have. Oh, yeah. It's sitting right over there. I have a cool um, piece of swag from The Warriors. It's a spray can. Like, you know. Oh, no way. But it says The Warriors. It's like, the like what's the company that makes those famous spray cans? You know what I'm Prylon. talking Yeah. It's just, instead of their logo. It's, it's It looks just like, but instead of their logo, it says oh, The Warriors. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That was it. I think, I, you know, there, there's all the games I have here. I don't know how important they are to mention. But so, Kyle, I found a bunch. I, I thought I was going to find a lot of PS2 games, imports, Japanese games that, you know, oh, let me see what I missed that only came out in Japan. Ja- you know, Japanese exclusive games, which, of course, I'm very attracted to. And I only found really a few, a handful. I found a really cool Mac Cross game, you know, that was like an R-typey, you know, bullet hell type shooter. I found Hakudo no Ken game, Fist of, no- Fist of the North Star game. That looks really cool. And an initial D game, a driving game. But one game I found that out about, a Japanese exclusive PS2 game that I had never heard of before. It's called Melty Blood Actress Again. <laughs> I've never heard of that. Melty Blood Actress Again. And it's just gorgeous 2D fighting game. It looks, you could easily mistake it for a Neo Geo 2D fighter, an SNK 2D fighter. It's gorgeous. Who made it? It's made by, a, developed by a company called Type Moon. Oh, I don't even know who and that is. And it's co-developed. I think it's two two co-developers, Type Moon and French Bread, and they, and they developed it for Sega. And it might have been an arcade port. I'm not sure about that, but... It looks like some of the best Neo Geo 2D fighters that ever came out. Samurai Spirits, Mark of the Wolves, King of Fighters. It's gorgeous. And, and it's like, it's very, um, you know, it's very whimsical. It's very anime inspired. The animation is absolutely gorgeous. The sprite animation it is. So Melty Blood Actress again. If you guys have, if you guys are fighting game fans, especially old school fighting game fans, and you have access to a Japanese PS2. Which you do. I'd be interested in. That's right. I have yours. Yeah, that's right. You do have access to it. That's the one with the IGN sticker on it. That's right. That's right. 
So, so we'll go out on Melty it. Blood Actress again because that is the craziest title for a game ever. Perfect. Yeah, I love my good. I love my good Japanese titles. So good. I, I tweeted out the other day. Someone had tweeted out a funny name, and I was like, there was a PSP game based on an anime called I Can't Believe My Little Sister Is This Cute. <laughs> I never heard of that. And I'm like, and that's when I knew anything was possible. Like any name was possible. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> that title. You have some like nerve releasing that game. <laughs> Perverts. All right. All right, my friend. Dagan, let's wrap up. We have uh, two segments to wrap up with, correct? We do. We have, well, we just have a quick dad joke. I won't overly torture you guys. Okay. And we're going to end on our, our, our closing segment for Knockback Wave 7. Wow, we just recorded our sixth our sixth episode of this wave, Carl. We're doing all right. We're going we're gonna to end with a segment called Quote Me on That. Perfect. And this is just a very simple, quick I'm going to say the quote of a movie. Colin's going to guess what movie that quote is from. If he needs a little help, he can't get it, guess it on the first one, then I have a couple of backup quotes. Excellent. And we'll see. We, You know what? This is a wide range of movies. We have some old classics and more contemporary. We have a, some dramas, some comedies, a couple of animated films in the mix. So here's one, Kyle. This might be a tough one because I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. But let's go with this. Well, one. it sounds fair. Let's let's do it then. Let's go. Let's go with this. I'm not sure. It's a classic movie. Great movie. But let's see if you know it. Third prize is you're fired. That sounds familiar, actually. But keep give me more. Okay. Put that coffee down. Mm, give me more. You never open your mouth till you know what the shot is. It's a tough one. You never is it a sports movie? Not a sports movie. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I've it's a like David Mamet film called Glen Gary Glen Ross. Oh, that's so funny. I had just watched that for the first time oh, like, you a, just year, saw like it a year ago. Maybe. Oh, did you really? How did you Netflix. like it? Oh, I loved it. Oh, I was obsessed with it. Well, that. I was reading a lot about it. It's funny. I I don't know it quotably, but um I guess it's based on a play. Right? It is. It's David Mamet. And that's play. why yeah, and that's why it's like so static, which I which I I really loved it. Yeah. It it's a great, total great bottle, like a whole. Du- it's a bottle. What's, what's the famous guy in it? Uh, uh, Everybody's in it. Alec Baldwin, but the older actor. Well, there's a few older actors. Uh, what's his name? Robert uh, Alec Baldwin's in it. Jack Lemmon. Jack Lemmon is one. Of the yeah, guys. yeah, really great performances. That's so funny because so I had just we had talked about Bloodhound Gang, the horrible rap rock band, uh, a few days ago or a few yeah. episodes ago, yeah, and yeah. I, there's a line in the in one of their songs where he's like. Like Jack Lemmon and Glenn, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. And I always was like, I don't know what that means. You don't know that yeah. And so finally, I, thought, I I knew it was a movie and stuff. And then so finally, I saw it on Netflix oh, or I'm Amazon. Oh, so glad you watched yeah. it. it was talk, about it. talk about dialogue, right? That's Great dialogue. David Mamet-esque. Very tense. Oh, my God. So tense. And I like the rain and like the, the atmosphere. The whole atmosphere. Yeah. yeah. Really great. Oh, my God. So good. Dude. No, I wouldn't have Al known Pacino. the quotes of that. So good. Yeah, Al Pacino. I mean. Oh, he's so good in it. Yeah, he's excellent. So nope. I, so I'm four for six now. I think. All right, you still you still got a winning record. Yeah, I'll allow it. Not too bad. Not too bad. All right, now let's end with a dad joke, my okay. friend. Okay. All right. Oh, I gotta check that one off. We read that one last time. Okay, Kyle. Let's close with this with this gem. Why do you never see elephants hiding in trees? I don't know. Because they're so good at it. <sighs> Did it, did did it, did That's a really bad one. That's easy. yeah. I think that was that one's all right. It's cute. No, no it's, cute. it's cute. It's cute. I'm not gonna read you. Now. Yeah, please don't. I want. <laughs> All right, that's it for this episode of Knockback. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for voting for this topic. 
Remember, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. If you want to vote on future topics, submit your pop topic ideas, submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas, get early ad-free week early access to all of our shows, exclusive podcasts, etc., and so on. We really do appreciate your support over there. If you want to be a freeloader, freeloader, do so over on iTunes, Google Play, etc. CastBox, please leave us nice reviews. We appreciate that. Share us with friends and family. We appreciate that as well. I think that's it. I think that's all we have to say. Katamari Damashi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. It's so good. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Collins Last Stand Knockback is fan supported over at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and I want to thank you from the very bottom of my heart for your incredible kindness and generosity. Eric Alley, C.J. Anderson, Morgan Ashley, Sean Battershaw, Martin Beck, Michael Betts, Eric Bishop, Mark Boggio, Eli Bosford, Barrett Boswell, Spencer Brand, Miguel Brewer, Lennon Brixey, Matthew Brousseau, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Andrew Burkhart, Dylan Burns, Chris Buston, Alex Cabrera, Brian Cacciatolo, Will Caldwell, Patrick Harper, William O'Carroll, Brian Caulfield, Brian Chan, Travis Chandler, Sean Chandler, David Chestnut, Simon Conception Jr., Brad Cooley, Gio Corsi, Nick Cottrell, Cutter Crow, Nick Cummings, Daniel Diamore, Colin Davenport, Daniel Delanikos, Mitchell Durkash, Knight Draft, David L. Martha Emery, Joe Finelli, Eric Figgenbeiner, Fodios Frangos, Michael Gallier, Chris Galvin, Blake Garcia, Connor Gashian, Alex Gates, Michael Gates, Salem Ghanem Al Ghanem, Toothless Gibbon, Daniel Glassford, Tyler Goodwin, Miranda Grubba, Tyler Harris, Kyle Hagel, Asa Haas, Azan Isa El Ricey, Josh Yeager, Greg Julifs, Anton Kay, Jeremy Key, James Kinsler III, Ryan R. Kittredge, Jackson Lastiqua, Donald Laws, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Mark Liberto, Lou and Ray Loper, Elijah Lopez, Colin Love, Josh M., Ryan T. Mandel, Peter Mark, Michael Martinez, Sean Mason, Zachariah McAdoo, Joe McPartland, Wyatt McVeigh, Dennis Meinchen, Andrew Mendoza, Christopher Middling, Albert Miranda, Patrick Malloy, Betty Ann Moriarty, Abe Mukhtar, Ryan Murdoch, Brian Nietzsche, Josh Netzel, Adam Nix, Donnie Noland, George Anthony Nunez, Brian Ott, Jorge Palomino, Todd Paxton, Brendan Peavy, Marius S. Peterson, Enrique Perez, Nicholas Perfect, James Perrone, Eric A. Peterson, Jason Pettit, Jeff Pollard, Louis Powell, Lawrence F. Prokop, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Mark Richardson, Toby D. Riemenschneider, Austin Riley, Atenogenis Rojas, Petro Rose, A.G. Rowe, John Scholes, Chris Schaefer, Michael Shanholtz, Brandon Sharkey, Toby Schutman, Glendon Cole Simper, Joshua Smallwood, Andrew Smith, John Tabanillo, Ahmad Tamar, Joseph Thayer, Ben Thompson, Carl Tolman, Tam Tran, Adam Van Kieran, Raymond Joshua Vargas, Michael Vecchio, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Troy Walters, Isaac Wastman, Damon Weathers, Mike Wayant, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zaniga, Hugo's Desk, Supershot ST, Wyatt Henry, Throw 7, Infinite, Homeworld Hub, Mad Mock Media, Fabian, Mubarak, Sticks and Crits, Richter86, That Rescue Guy, and Andrew, Ian, Chris, Dav9834, Donk2015, and Gavin.